You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hardcore podcast. I, my name is Patrick. I'm Bob. I'm Tom. And we are here to give you the hardcore reality. And uh, as some of you know, sometimes that is, uh, we're going to do our best to make it fun and to make <laughs> it and to make it a thing you're going to want to listen to. That said, this is your trigger warning. Yeah. This is. For many of you who enjoy hardcore, who enjoy going to shows of any type, um, this will be a pill. And you are not obligated to listen. <laughs> and I hope you do because it'll be fun. But we're going to be talking about... To listen. We have a number. It, My birthday is the end of August. August 31st, August. to be precise. Shh. There is a number. Yeah, we're good. We're, we'll we'll get there. Don't. It was a joke. We're, 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 I know, but we're gonna hit. I I. I, we're gonna, I don't know. We're gonna hit. Don't stress. We got it. I hope. I hope we hit. We'll we're celebrate. Uh, so, so yeah, listen. Listen to uh, DJ Painkiller here. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be a uh, a darker conversation than normal. But maybe there's gonna be some silver linings. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and also, uh, reality doesn't got to be a thing where it's good or bad. We just got to take it as it comes and 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 work through it. And we'll talk about how to do that, maybe. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's let's get really upbeat. Sorry for that, everybody. Should have done sponsor reads before I said doom and gloom. <laughs> before you got dark. Uh, yeah. Big shout out to our sponsors. Let's go through Death Wish Inc., To Live a Lie Records, Closed Casket Activities. Thank you very much. Tom, they have a promo code on their web stores for us. What is that promo code? Axe to grind. And you have to do what, Tom? Spell it out. Boom. And today we are going to put a little extra spotlight on who, Patrick? Run for cover <laughs> records. Ooh. And not just because they are the label that pays you, um, but because they are splendiferous, fantastic, exponential, adjectivity, let me let me let me let me say the rec- the label that pays me, uh, Chris, f- from Self Defense, uh, it hit me the other day. He said, "I just got a I just got a check from uh, Run for Cover, and I and I didn't respond." And he said, "Because I guess it's for the whole band." And he said, mm. "If you don't respond, I'm I'm going to spend this on turquoise." Uh, oh, and, smart man. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't respond because I hope that he spends whatever check we got on turquoise. This is everybody. If you ever were like, is Patrick in it for the money? No, I, my money just went to turquoise and I don't even fucking know how much it was. Don't care. Go on. If there was ever a label who would encourage you to spend the earnings you've made on your, your art, your hard work, the, the hours and labor you've put in, it would be run for cover records. Um, longtime friends and uh, a label I admire greatly. 
um, a label who has both a distinct sound and is also always kind of pushing at the edges. And I mean, I think over the past five to six years, if you haven't been paying attention, you might just have a thought like run for cover sound is this. But if you look around and see how diverse their roster is, I mean, it could be from self-defense family to Narrowhead to Healing Potpourri to Georgia Mac to Fiddlehead and Fury and Wiccaphase. Like a completely eclectic label, but somehow there's like cohesion to it. And uh, I think they are they're like living their best life as a label right now, even though I'm sure there's people who really associate them with, with some of the records that, that were really big five, six, 10 years ago, yo run for covers. Best life is right now. I think, I think they're impressive. Um, I really support them. Uh, I think when you see the stuff they do, I can't think of many labels who, despite how eclectic it is, I know the people over there actually back all the stuff they're doing. That's a fact. You know, so um, you you actually had a comment that you, you liked something they've done recently. Well, there's a new Wicca phase that uh, here's what I, I know this is like a petty thing. We're talking about music and I'm going to be talking about shirts. Uh, it's rare that I see a shirt, even from a band that I like and say, yeah, I want that. Usually it's got to have something mildly offensive on it. Uh, that I can get a little thrill about walking around the price chopper wearing it. Uh, that's not the case here. This is just uh, in promo for the new, uh, I believe, EP uh, from Wiccaphase. Uh, there is a shirt that is, Tom, I swear to God, you know this word. What is that word, man, where where it is an image coming out of darkness? Chiscora? Yes! Chiscora or something like that? Yeah. God yeah, damn! We talked about I this knew with fucking... Which well, restraining order had it. Yes, oh, exactly. Thank you. So, uh, that is that shit, everybody. I like any image on my desktop right now. I have an alternative cover for the soundtrack to the film Deep Red. The reason I have that on my desktop as a point of reference is because it is an image of that type that is very striking that I'm going to rip off because I like any image that does this well. That's what this shirt does. It looks like a old school Morrissey shirt, but has Adam from Wiccaphase on it. And it looks fucking cool. Go check out the record and buy the shirt. I don't know how I feel about rolled sleeves on t-shirts, but guess what? I'm fucking 73. And I'm sure that young people like it more than I do. So go buy that that shirt and not be embarrassed about the person who's on it. That's a fact. That's very true. I had had a funny conversation about Adam the other day about how much he actually loosely still is involved with hardcore and bands in and around hardcore in a weird way. Um, how it's kind of cool because he'll still roll to certain shows and different things like that. So uh, big ups. It, it's noticed by the, the people in his local area, which is kind of cool. Also, I said online that I liked the shirt. He retweeted that. And the amount of likes that I got from girls with crazy eyebrows that look really good is crazy. It, it, whatever the goth boy click is doing, they're doing right. GBC. Uh, also, uh, like the new RFC logo reminds me yeah, of something that clay records would do. Very cool. Um, 
So shout out Run For Cover Records. Go to their website at runforcoverrecords.com. Enter the promo code TOM. Axe to grind. Patrick, what do you got to do? Spell it, spell that, spell, 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 spell it out. Cool. Cool. All right. You want to turn, turn on the, uh, the downer music? What are we going to do? You know, so, so yeah, everybody, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world and also how it impacts the hardcore world, I guess. You know what I mean? So, um, I think a lot of people want to hear this. I mean, Tom, like, where are you at? Is this, I feel like, I feel like this is a conversation that, that we, we all end up having for five or 10 minutes before we get into recording almost every time we do this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I have it with like friends of mine, like in real life and shit, like it's just kind of, because it's such, I've never been in a situation where, where there's really number one, there's no end in sight and there's no real answer. It's kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Like there's national natural disasters and shit that it's like, all right, well, that venue is going to be shut down for a bit, but they're going to rebuild it. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. For, so for everybody that didn't get it by, by context, we're talking about the COVID era show situation when we might be coming back, what that's going to look like when we do. Um, and if you think that COVID has been talked to death I don't think it's been talked about in this specific arena nearly enough. Uh, so I think no one has an answer. Nobody wants to sound like they're not an expert. Yeah, well, that's true. And, and what, let's, what I always find fascinating is that the conversation of people who don't know and who are willing to just talk about what they think and how they feel and, and be okay with being wrong as well as not stating it like they're speaking fact. Tom, you, what you said is exactly right, though. I think – we're living in a time where people like to speak authoritatively right. about Everyone's just about the authority everything. and the expert on everything. Right, right, and and if you can just acknowledge that, <clears throat> hey, there, there's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm caught my throat. Some of us know a lot of things. It's right. not my fault. No, if if you knowing a lot Jesus about a, knowing a little about a lot of things is incredibly dangerous. I think there's like yeah, a, kind of a generalist point. life. Uh, the the Patrick Kinley book. Um, <laughs> No, I, I, I don't think – the part that I think Pat does well and speak to you in the third person is that you come to it with curiosity and you're, you're actually trying to goad opinion. And, uh, and you are looking for more information and you're willing to take information you get and synthesize it and then express opinions based on it. But you're not – though you speak it in a tone that makes people feel like it's there, you don't, you don't dead the conversation if someone d- disagrees with you. Oh no, I, I, I'm I'm more interested if somebody disagrees with me. Like it, it, it's, uh, I I think that listen, I come off like on Twitter and shit. I obviously come off like a fucking dickhead, but like in, in any conversation that people have tried to have with me, I, I I think that they'll probably agree that I might still come off like a dickhead, but at least I come off like a dickhead with a curious mind that's like trying to get to the bottom of what you're saying. You know what I mean? Which is like, I th- I think as much as respect as you can pay each other, really. You know, I mean, because I do want to hear where people are coming from, and uh, but Tom is right on this topic. And we should say none of us. There's no Dr. Fauci's in this room. <laughs> you know, what I mean, we, we are. We're going to call. 
That means something to some people and something else to somebody else. Yeah, that's a fact. Okay, th- th- that's a fact. So, do you, Eric, like, do you guys share a QAnon account? Like, how? Do you- <laughs> uh, did you see the first QAnon uh, adhering senator was uh, was elected the other day? Yeah. No. Wow. Somewhere yeah, in Georgia. There. Georgia. You know what that does for me? Like, I know people find that discouraging because that's uh, actual gibber, gibber gibber-ish conspiracy theory. And it's discouraging that an elected official would uh, give it any time whatsoever. What is encouraging about it is it made me feel like I could be an elected official in the United States somewhere. I mean, members of my favorite bands share those. You know, how does that feel? Yeah, that's a point. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, like, yo, you wrote Survival of the Streets, and I have to f- hear how, you know, the hospitals are empty. <laughs> so, uh, listen, everybody, uh, we're going to talk to people who have a little bit more knowledge on some subjects than we do, but f- for the most part, we are going on what we know, which isn't everything. And yeah. that's, that's all there is to it. So, uh, you're welcome to argue with us from your house. You're welcome to send us emails, but don't come with any hostility because firstly, we take no pleasure in the fact that things are tough right now. And second, we're not trying to scare you into anything. Like I got no agenda here. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I'd like to get back to shows, but I'm also enjoying my life without shows. So it's all good to me. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't think anybody here is trying to push anything. And also Tom, you are, so before this podcast started, I was saying that I'm losing my patience for people who are maybe what we would call indoor kids uh, calling for another like X amount of months of lockdown or that we should lock down again in a more severe way because I don't think there's any stakes for somebody whose whole life takes place indoors. This is normal for them. Right. But, but Tom – Right. But Tom – exactly right. There's no shame in, in not leaving your house for – 20 days straight. That's my Friday. But, now. But right. Tom, you are my argument for like you, you would be the counterpoint to that because you are as uh, you are into being safe about this. You are into being responsible about this, but you do like to leave your house <laughs> and you do have stakes because a thing that you enjoy and a thing that you find to be a part of your social life is compromised by this completely and you still think it's responsible to stay inside. So I'm more willing to hear you than I am to hear the person that works from home. It just enjoys gaming, does not enjoy leaving their house for any reason. And also has like a Postmates bill in the, in the uh, high four figures every fucking month. You know know what I'm saying? So you just describe yourself. (laughs) Well, yeah, you're everything but the only fans. Is that what you're saying? You know what? That's a very good point, though. That's a good point. I think that there should be a certain amount of disregard for like what I want to happen because you are correct. I don't mind this very much. Like, so and you can so do that's a lot a- of your work from home, and that's that's awesome. Like, that's there's no there's no shame in that. No, but it and also I'm not a social guy necessarily. So, it, but so the stakes are lower for me. That, that that's good to establish and. Bob, where are you at on this? You have been able to go out because you kind of enjoy family shit that is like like the beach. You know what I mean? Where like you, hey, you got to leave your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I live eight minutes from the beach, so uh, and it's an empty beach. You know, like uh, if we go there and there's more than fifteen people in a 
you know, a beach the size of a football field, it's like, whoa, a lot of people down here today, you know? Has it been wild at all? No, not at, not at my beach. Um, I mean, yours is beach more is like a, you're not like a boardwalk beach, right? You're more of like no, a, it's like a, a private, beach, beach. Not, Yeah, it's beach beach. It's not private. I shouldn't say that. It's public beach, but it's... But it's not Point Pleasant. Not Point Pleasant, not, not any of the Monmouth County stuff. Like, I'll go up and walk on the boardwalk up there. Uh, in the middle of the week, but not on the weekends because it's it's a pandemonium. There's a lot of people there. Um, no, it's it, you would it, when you go up there, you you wouldn't know the difference. You wouldn't know that there's anything going except and and like major credit on this for whatever it's worth. People are wearing masks. You know when they're down on the beach, not so much, but when they're in on the boardwalk, etc., they are. Um, but no, at my beach, there's no one there. Um, where am I? With it in general, I just think um, I'm kind of two minds. I think that we aren't out of the woods on anything. We're not even close. Like there's no there's no vaccine coming tomorrow. Like I, I feel like being on some like playoffs playoffs. Like can't even win a game. Like we're not we're not done. Um. So, like, you know, any of this rush to open things other than the kind of essential stuff, I, I'm like, yo, <laughs> hold back now. Um, but on the other end, like, I'm not mad at people who are coming down and going to the beach here, which could be seen as a controversial opinion. And if you're somebody who lives in a place where where tourism is a major part of what happens, whether it's the economy, obviously it is here, but also just if it's something that's part of what happens, like, I'm not mad at people who are trying to live through this. Now, I also am pretty okay with chilling inside. I don't, you know, I still talk to my friends, but I don't see them, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough. It's weird. Uh, it helps to have, it It really does. I mean, like, there's people who, who've been like, oh, man, you got a kid. That's that's gotta be tough to us. The only part that's tough is thinking about it for them, as far as like he can't go play with kids right now. You know, he doesn't yeah. you know, that that's tough. The other side of it, having a kid, yo, I got this little dude who's like, Oh, do you want to play video games? Yeah. Do you want to go play baseball in the backyard? Yeah. Do you want to go like let's go for a walk in the woods? Like he's you know, it's it's like given a structure to to what if you're just some regular person outside and like i think i'm thinking about people who are single and don't have a job or the job is like real loose you might feel completely wayward right now right oh 100 you know like I, it's almost like these things that like work gives you a structure having things going on gives you structure having a social life gives you structure and if those are all out the window yeah the first month where you sit around and are like in your underwear, eating ice cream out of the the bucket and right. no and responsibilities. Movies. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after a while, you're like, damn, my life's weird, <laughs> and this this not in the good way. This sucks, you know. Right. right. So um, so I mean, I, I think it's it's really tough, and I mean, we'll we'll circle around and get it to to music and hardcore at large. But like, I don't want to understate something that that we all three of us discussed before this and and you can both go in on this please i think the sleeping giant of all of the shit we're dealing with right now is a mental health crisis that's going to start before this is over and this it will outlast the 
COVID virus in a real way. Oh, I mean, it definitely started. Yeah, it started. I I mean, you can even look at your timeline. People are not doing well. That's right. Like acting real erratic and kind of, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, and there's people like 30 million people out of work. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be an uptick in suicide, sadly. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, there's literally no help for you. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, to be in the richest country in the world and be like, 1200 bucks will make it. I mean, I, you know, like, it, it's just the setup. It's like, there, it's, I couldn't imagine, like you were saying, like having like the, the, the employment, like the job kind of, we all go, oh, fuck, I got to get up for work. But like, without that, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, it's been right. five months, right? Like that I've not been in an office, right? Like regularly. I mean, I go in, like, you know, whatever, but like not every day. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine if I didn't have to, like, set an alarm to be awake. Dude, there's probably, like, like there's probably that weird honeymoon bliss phase, right? It's like, cool, I'm getting to sleep in. Maybe I stay up a little extra late, watch this movie, talk to people, whatever, whatever. After a couple of weeks, you're probably like, ugh. And, and then you compound it with, so if you don't have a job... Right. You don't have money and, to have fun with. Yeah, and, and and maybe the unemployment check is coming in, and that's fine. But, yo, there's a certain unsteadiness, like an unease that comes with that, especially if you're someone who's been working for a while. Uh, so I, so you do all that on top of the fact that, like, yo, does, does everyone think that we're going to come out of this, whether it's six months where we're at right now, whether it's a year – whether it's two years of, you know, the various levels of isolation that we've all been in. And it's just going to be like hunky dory, like that people like, I'm sure you guys all have people in your lives who've, who've, who this is impacting more or less. I've got people really close to me in my life, both friends and family members. Some of whom have been like, Oh, I don't, I don't even leave my house, you know? And, and it's like, Oh, right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like that's that I think that we're underrating the fact that like it's not going to flip on like a light switch. There's going to be some weird stuff <laughs> happening and, and like people who feel away when they haven't been interacting with other people in a long time. It's like everyone's getting home from tour at the same time and everyone's lives went out without them. And you're kind of <sighs> that's, like, that's a good way to put it. How do I jump in here? Right. Yeah, there's this is uh not again, not doom and gloom. Everybody, you are the in charge of your own uh destiny. You get to decide how you respond to this. Uh if you see yourself going uh down a dark way, you uh are obliged because nobody else can know that. Nobody else can just uh, intuit that without you letting people know. Uh you have to let people that care about you know that. Uh, we're not big on like PSAs on this. Some of this is very obvious, but, but if you, if you notice that your behavior is getting dark or, 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 uh, just even like, uh, too, uh, solipsistic, you know, like if you're right. just like, uh, 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 staring in the mirror of yourself all day, yo, I'm not, tr- sorry, I'm not trying to sound grim. Everybody, nobody can help you unless you take that first step and make people aware that you are fucked up. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So, so if this is just if you are in the sound of my voice and 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 you're hearing us all talk about this, and you realize that this is you, then you you, you gotta. It is incumbent upon you, the person that wants to presumably live another day, to you know pull the brakes, reach out to somebody, 
start doing doing normal behaviors, ask for help, the whole shit. Um, so I mean, I think that's easier said than done as a, being sure. the mental health professional of the podcast. For no, sure, yeah. But, I mean, go 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 on that, Tom. Like, but I mean, I, you I, know, I, I I get what Pat's saying about the the you know, it's not you know, it's it's easy to kind of spiral out of control, and if you have the wherewithal to kind of reach out to somebody, anybody, it doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? Like right. if you fucking shoot us a DM, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, yep. if you shoot me a DM and you're going through some shit, I'm not going to ignore you. That's right. I don't give well, a fuck who you are. You know what I'm saying? You know, like there's people out there and it's, it, that sounds trite and it sounds, you know, but like most people are pretty decent people and they're, they're prepared to look out for like their fellow human being. So, you know, but like sometimes it gets dark and it gets low enough that like that sounds, you know, taking that first step is the, is an, an like an incredible um, kind of step that people don't feel like they can take. So that's, that's normal too. And that's, yeah, that's oh, standard. It, it, you know what I mean? So like, I think mm-hmm. like, like, you know, if you're saying like, wow, you know what I mean? I've been cutting my hair with like a fucking butter knife. Like, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> probably a little, you know, erratic, but like, you know, just be like, well, you know, just don't do that anymore. I'm like, well, no, but what what I'm saying is, it, like, it, I, I see people, they bottom out. And listen, this is very normal for people that are in a low space. They they tend to lash out at people around them. We all get it if we've ever seen it or been there ourselves. But it, the, the whole thing of my friends didn't reach out to me. Well, mm. listen, that you may or may not be. Too. That's, you know, that it's, it's easy to forget. Yeah, yeah, exa- that's exactly right. And And also, like. You you have to sometimes make friends aware. You, you know what I mean? Like that's just what it is. Like so, th- th- you might be better at hiding what's going on with you than you think you are. You know what I'm saying? It's possible right, that your right. friends. Are, it's possible your friends are bums, but it's also possible that they didn't know what. You know, they thought everybody's acting weird during this time. They didn't know that you're in a fucking hole. Right. And you know some people like couch in like morbid like humor. Yep. That you go like, oh, you're just being a dick. Like, you're just being, you know, you're just Tom being Tom, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the meantime, and I think especially if I would Im- imagine the majority of our listeners are um, male identifying. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Like, you know, I, I, oh, I yeah. count on two hands the amount of people, friends of mine over my lifetime that were like, man, I'm really going through it. And, like, being able to kind of be that honest and kind of be you know open about what they're really going through and i think that's something that has been changing but like i still think like people kind of look at it as like a sign of weakness and you know it's not <laughs> quite honestly Absolutely it's really not. not you know what i mean but no. i think that needs to be a fucking normal thing you can watch fucking football and be able to tell your your buddy like hey, you know what man i've like, been having a hard go right yeah like it's fuck guess what you and everybody else yeah and and, and i mean you know like I think it's kind of alluded to, to, but just to to paint the words big on the wall. You know, talk to someone means talk to someone. You know, Tom said, reach out. He's right. Like, I got plenty of people who are acquaintances that I've had some pretty deep convos with because it it kind of turned in that way that's like, yo, you know what? This isn't something I want to talk with or I don't feel comfortable talking with. You don't want to tell your the family. The people who are day to day, like day to days, you know. Sure, but but like, I, I it is nice to have somebody. And I mean, yo, to me, there's a root problem where like 
we should all feel comfortable just to talk about our feelings and like hard times with everyone vulnerabilities. Like it's fine. It's like, it's, it's human to have fucking hard times. Um, and if we just reach out to somebody, even if it's kind of something innocuous enough that it doesn't have to be like, Hey man, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, hurting myself. It could be like, Hey, did you watch what went on on fucking, you know, like, can you believe Chris Jericho is playing at fucking Sturgis in front of 200,000 people? And (laughs) just like some, you know what I mean? Something, easy enough like that that it's just kind of like a diversion that's sometimes that's all you need maybe you don't need to go fucking deep into it and kind of have like a therapeutic conversation maybe just to bullshit with somebody is more than sufficient and it might kind of just be that kick in the ass that you may need you know for, and- sh- for sure listen so many people are actually losing i see myself doing it i just don't see it as like a mental health thing for me it's just like a cognitive thing if you don't talk to enough people, you get fucking weird. That's it, it. That's just a fact. Like you become like a weird hermit guy that forgot how to speak because you, you've just been communicating with wolves through eye eyesight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's a, yep. uh, Oh, I can't tell can, you how many times, how many experiences like that I've had in the last, like I'd say three months because I feel like I've become feral in the last three, um, yeah. <laughs> like in the elevator. Like, I mean, I'm talking, I talk to you guys a lot. Right. I text a ton of people. And, like, I talk about stuff for work. But, like, just being social, like, people will, like, you know, see me in the elevator and say, like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a big bag. And I go, totally. I'm like a fucking goon. Right. It's, it's, I got where it's like, yeah, gruel. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm like, I feel like I'm usually pretty, like, I'm pretty gregarious. I can talk to somebody. Sure. I become the fucking stumbling, bumbling, fucking, what's his face? Chris Farley. Like, hey, remember that time that you guys played Magic? Like, cool. I feel like a, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have the words. Well, and yo, like Tom, I think that speaks to you having such a good nature. Imagine the way it turns for the person who's like on the other side of the coin where it's like, oh, excuse me. What'd you say to me? Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. You know, like there's going to be a learning curve. The relearn of casual encounters with strangers that's going to oh, yeah. be awkward in a spot like New York City. Oh, I, I, there's going to be fights on the, the subway daily, you know, and, and like – I actually think New York's a pretty pleasant place when it comes to those kind of places because most of the people in New York City are used to being around a billion people all at the goddamn time. But yo, if everybody's been pulled back, going to feel weird when you're around a lot of people again. Oh, and, well, and I mean, especially the way strangers. New York is going, there won't be enough people around to bump into, so it'll be fine. Yo, That's I mean, fact. F- fact. Um, That's what everyone's saying, especially I, I, people from their second homes in Connecticut. Um, I mean, yo, what about the real estate market in – we should talk on this for just a second. Yeah. I bet it's the same in the Hudson Valley. I know it's the same in Connecticut. I have friends who are selling houses down here uh, within three to five days of putting it on the market for significantly above asking price and having bidding wars sight unseen. Yep. To get the fuck out of a major city. Because yep. it's people from North Jersey and New York – trying to move somewhere where it's a little less dense. It's it's people from North Jersey trying to move to the shore because they can sell their house in North Jersey for five times what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think know. I have a friend of mine, um, homegirl of mine that like lives in Greenpoint sure. and like they're like, you know, she has like a, like a, like a, an alert set on like whatever the fuck, whatever Zillow, whatever website. Yeah. 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 And she's like, dude, like you can now get like a one bedroom, like in Greenpoint, some of them like are off like the Bedford Avenue stop that yep. for like six and seven hundred dollars cheaper than they were beginning of the year. Like you yep. can get somewhere for eighteen hundred bucks now. Like that's fucking insane. Do we so, 
Do either of you know anyone in commercial real estate? Uh, we're going to talk to somebody later on this podcast that I'm trying to convince to uh, uh, buy big chunks of. <laughs> well, because because that is, you know, um, you know, not to go too deep into this, but New York City commercial real estate, like I think we better we better have sealed windows on those tall buildings because oh, yeah. because businesses are pulling out their offices. So like that's another thing is there's a bunch of businesses who are going, Oh, you know what? This remote work thing is good. We don't need a five figure monthly bill uh, uh, for rent. Let's just work from remote forever. And that trickle down is, Oh, I'm 23 and trying to make it in New York city. And this is pretty exciting, but the city hasn't been so great the last three months and I'm back home in Michigan. Um, Maybe I'll just stay here and make the money I was making. That's, that feels like it's three times what I was, you know, three times is, Right. You know, I mean, there's two things worked. to that. Yeah. You know, I think um, I read some article that was like some building they did like a, maybe it was a time life building in the city that it was like, oh, like on a regular day, they'd have eighty five hundred people come through the turnstiles. Yeah. And like there was its, its own little kind of micro kind of city around it. It was like there's a barber and there's three restaurants and there's a health food store, like all in this one building. Yep. And that like now they're getting maybe five hundred through the door every day so all those stores are closed the hot dog vendor outside who's like i used to sell like 400 hot dogs a day they're up to 10 they're down to 10 hot dogs a day he's like i just come in every other week i mean every other day now it doesn't make any sense but to that same extent though i think it's also like a course i mean it sucks that this is a course correction but it had to be because it's insane but listen, Tom, it's it, th- th- here's the part of this whole conversation, not our conversation, but the larger one that discourages me is that this like watching things on repeat never feels good, you know? I mean, well, maybe just cuz I don't have the money to take advantage of knowing the future, but it seems what's obvious is that there's going to be flight from the cities for the next 2 years, uh which is going to crater the the uh real estate market and then within 10 years you're going to have millionaires and billionaires buy up those properties and attempt attempt to build them back up. And then we are going to find ourselves in the exact same place. And it is so like, it's frustrating to watch again. Maybe if I was a millionaire that could afford some of these places at rock bottom prices, I'd feel different, but it's very frustrating because what's going to, I mean, sorry, everybody, this is real doom and gloom, but what's going to happen is we're going to see an uptick in crime uh, we're going to see uh, wealth flee uh, the centers of cities. Uh, it, this happened once before in American history, at least twice, I think. And then you're going to th- then people are going to buy those same places that people fled, and yep. it is go- it's it's just discouraging to watch something on the spin cycle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like oh, I saw this before. I read the history book. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, anyway. Let's 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 apply it to hardcore. Yeah, let's, let's talk. So so before we get into this, I'm going to ask the same question that that we've asked a few times, just to kind of give us a centering piece. When do you think shows will be back? Before talking to experts, I'm going right. to guess. Um, my guess is summer of next year. When? Sorry. Summer. summer of next year. Summer of 2021. That's right. Okay. Tom? 
I'm going to say, like, on any well, – I mean, they're back now, I mean, for all intents and purposes, but, like, um, for any kind of, like, touring like, market, Like, hardcore shows, yeah. Like, like close proximity, these things are happening. Right. Real and like, bands, not, we're not, not we don't cornball joke bands, yeah, are, are playing right. real shows. Um. I would probably say 2022, like the beginning of 2022, like for there to be like touring bands and stuff like that, like, you know, like people send like, you know, are showing these like, well, here are these like socially distanced concerts. Like they did one in the UK and stuff like, yeah, that's awesome for fucking blur. But like, if I'm going to, you know, like maybe not me because I'm an adult, like an old man, but like, you know, if, if you're going to see a band, you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to see Gulch. Do you want to have to stand six feet away from each other? No, no, that's not fun. And that does the band a disservice. They're not being able to, you know, what I mean? like I. That's no, not I their like, energy, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. I think you know, I, I quite honestly, in the in the kind of hierarchy, I would almost guess like punk, hardcore, and like hip hop shows are the last things to come back. Yeah, I, 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 I disagree, kind of, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, uh, Bob. When do you think they're coming back? <sighs> um, and this is where we start to be doom and gloom. I think I'm probably leaning closer to Tom and saying early 2022 because my more specific answer is like, well, if we have either a vaccine or critical mass infection rate where just everyone has it or had it and we just have the, the, the roulette you know, the, uh, the chamber has spun enough times. And it's just like, okay, this is where we're at. Plus sometime, you know, if, if there was a vaccine tomorrow, if there was a vaccine tomorrow, I don't think we could have a show until next summer. Right. I mean, two you things. know what I mean? Yeah, like you said, number one, even if there was a vaccine, there are so many people that think like Bill Gates is trying to follow you. Right. They won't take it. And I mean, I think, this is all kind of contingent on like if the scientists be able to tell you like is be, is able to finally prove that it's like if you get this once, yeah, you're right. golden. It goes a long way, right? Yeah. That's more important than a vaccine to most people. That's yes. correct. <clears throat> yes, and I think that's like the safest way to go about it. But there's no way of proving that. And if like if the if the the if the the virus itself kind of um like transforms and stuff like that. The, you know, I think that's the best way to go about it is if it's like, all right, if you get it, you know, and it may be, you know, and and that would that would that would go a long, very long way, because I feel like people are so distrustful in, in 2020. Yes. To like a, a, an egregious uh, extent, in my opinion. Um, what are you supposed like? What are you supposed to do? Like, I love hardcore. You know what I mean? Like. I'd be real bummed I'd never get to see Mind Force again, but like I like my mom more. Right. And, and I, I think those dudes like I think those dudes like their mom and kids and family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll miss it, but like I'm not gonna risk my family to go see it. No, I mean I think that that's where a lot of people end up being is is this idea of proximity and, and the thing you love being something like the live show element is such a big part of hardcore. I mean, we've talked about it. I can't tell you how many times on this show, but you know, there's plenty of bands whose recorded output is par at best, but live 
kick-ass band and that's enough to make you like a hall of famer in hardcore you know if you're a great band live that that counts almost as much if not more than what you actually put to wax that said we're looking at a reality where even the most rosy opinion of the three of us is putting live shows back spring 2021 summer 2021 is that what you're saying pk Summer. Okay. Um, and and I, here's I, my question. Are those with no limitations or boundaries? So I, I, I don't subscribe to the same uh, idea of what's going to happen as you guys. Like, I think that you're looking at this in, in a, in, in a very reasonable way, but people aren't reasonable. People are snapping the people. The shows that are going to be happening next year are going to be, uh, Tom, what's the legal term for at your own fucking risk? Um, it, yeah, it's uh, take out the fucking. Yeah, I, I I think that uh, like we're gonna see hardcore shows fairly regular summer of next year. You think? Oh yeah, right. But like you're gonna get the the Boshank ones. Like I'm saying, like like drug church, like playing venues with like promotion. And oh, that's a good. That here's the question, Pat. I think I know where you stand, but I want to ask you. Will you? Would you do a drug church? Drug church is offered a tour. It's at two hundred cap rooms across the country. Next summer, one. Would you do it personally? Two. Do you think everyone else in your band would do it? I would. Yes, I do. Except. Okay, so uh, spoiler alert: we're going to uh, have some call-ins possibly, and right. the the uh, one gentleman who I'm going to reach out to. Uh, could probably go into greater detail on this, but the backlash Correct. on bands that are that are willing to play is severe. So all those bands that we saw play Sturgis the other day are all bands that don't need... Like Fozzie um, Osbourne. Yeah. They've never been called before Fozzie Osbourne, and now they're Fozzie. Fozzie. That's amazing. They don't need... What up, Chris Jericho? The niche. They don't need the support of of a community the way that hardcore bands might. Um, the smaller right. people bands, are going to see fucking all star and fucking walking on yeah. the sun. They don't give a shit. If you right. kill it's crack. a fair crowd. It's, so that's a different thing. Um, the type of music that I play requires that you don't fucking hate me. And if you, the, 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 you know, the one booking agent that we'll call, he had bands out not long ago scheduled to play including Sturgis right and they had to pull because their fans are younger than the average Sturgis fan and more socially conscious once one would argue and they weren't having it and they were vocal about their disappointment that this band that they like was willing to risk grandma and there is a social cost so do I really care about the social cost? No, personally, you do not. I personally do not. But as somebody who's a member of a band who has yeah. done a lot of work, you're not sure about how it would treat Precise. you in the court of public. Well, it's also just like those, my bandmates would feel safe doing it themselves. They would not want to alienate our fans by doing something that, made us look like anti-vaxxer killers. And I mean, you know here's I mean? a question for you then. And Tom, I'd like to ask you this too. You're offered to do a show 
which means that you're essentially inviting your fans out, right? Like, is that, that's an, you know, you're going to promote it yourself. Like, Hey, drug church is playing this show in Albany. Come check it out. Indecision's playing the show in the city. Come check it out. If people were to get sick at your show, this isn't the same as someone who, you know, you saying, get, you know, uh, mosh this place to the ground and someone getting a concussion, you know, it's not the same as mosh call injuries. Do you, would you feel a way? Would you be like, God damn it. 10 people got COVID cause they were at our show. I mean, um, you want me to, you want me to give you Pat's answer? Thank you, Tom. I mean, they chose to go. They Thank knew you. what they were getting themselves into. So, well, to, well that, and that's right. That's the at risk. Cause I, and I mean, yo, I, I think that's where this comes down to. And the thing I believe in support is that it comes down to everyone's personal choice. I might think you're a fucking idiot for doing it. But if that's what you want to do, okay. But know what, know what card, what, what, what you're playing into. Like you're playing into something there that's a risk situation. And I mean, that's yeah, the same thing with like, getting in a car, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I would still think I would feel personally that, you know, okay, I mean, you weren't, you know, no one put a gun to your head. But at the same time, I contributed to it a little bit. It's the equivalent of like, yeah, I didn't like punch you in the face, but I wrote the mosh part that made you get punched in the face. Like, you didn't, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, it, I wasn't the cause, but I was the correlation, maybe, or something like I don't know. No, I mean, I get I, it. I, I've facilitated this moment. Yeah, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, I put you in the room and wrote this part that makes people act stupid. Well, the hard part some, to me is just yeah. you just are filling a room. You know, you're putting bodies in a room. Um, and I mean, I, I think that's the other side is I think there's as many people, Pat, and I, I, I appreciate what you said, but I think as many people who are snapping, I think there's people on the other side who are you know, knee jerking back and hitting them with that judgment stick. And that's where, that's where I fall because I think I don't, I'm not really interested in, in, in chiding people about it too much. I, 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 personally, I might think in my own head, man, you're, you, you're dumb. Like, and I see these boat parties and shit and I'm like, man, you dumb. But at the same time, I think living in isolation is anti-human and and it's really tough. And I think that everyone is trying to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to live. And yo, for a lot of us, like <clears throat> even in a limited capacity, I've been going to, you know, I've been going to shows for how, you know, 23, four or whatever years. Like, and now, now for the longest period of my life, I just won't be. That's weird. <laughs> you know, the longest I've, I've gone without being at a show. Oh, right. Like, dude, right. Since probably Tom for you. And I mean, it's probably true for everybody on this call. Probably this is the longest you've been without being to a show since you went to your first show. A hundred percent. You tell me there was five months that I didn't go to a show. No fucking way. Right. PK. There's not a shot. Yeah. Right. I, uh, longest. Yeah. Um, I'm, but as, as Tom said, and uh, you know, basically where you're both at, I'm not, I'm not interested in judging anybody. It's not where I'm at, but, uh, 
you know, but, but certainly there's more responsible behaviors than others. And despite the fact that I would play a show, that wouldn't even be me urging you to come. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, yeah. like, it, it, like I would put it, but that's who, that's who I am is that I right. think everybody needs to be accountable to themselves that's first right. and foremost. That's right. you, you know what I'm Doesn't saying? Doesn't it worry you that people are unable to truly be accountable? No, that's so my t- biggest worry. Cause I, I get the whole, like, no, you shouldn't be able to make your own choices. But like, I feel like people aren't able, I mean, like any of, I mean, think about it. Like I was even thinking about it today. Like, you know, I personally look at people that are like out without masks and like fucking 200,000 people in Sturges and all this bullshit. And I go, wow, what fucking idiots. Right. But at the same time, I've gone to shows for the last fucking 28 years or 29 years of my existence. I've worn head, uh, I've worn earplugs maybe like five times. Right. <laughs> I know I'm going to go deaf. Yep. I just don't give a fuck. Right. Or like I, the people that smoke cigarettes, like you're going to get cancer. Yep. You right. know this. It says it on the box and people still do it. Yeah. Um, but that, but that's what I mean is like, listen, like th- that meme of kind of like my ex or my ex-boyfriend calling me at two in the morning, like me when I would take the phone call from my ex-boyfriend at two in the morning and it's somebody applying clown makeup to themselves. Yes, yes, yes. Like th- th- that's all of us. We all know that we are behaving like clowns when we're doing a thing that we like to do that has consequence, like if we're just weighing it. And in the moment we might make a bad calculation. Like I, I, I drove through uh, like the mountains in Colorado in a van with literally no brake pads. Yeah. And that shit is <laughs> dumb. You do that shit when you're fucking 23 or whatever fucking idiot age. And you're grateful that you are not dead as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you could have died. And that's your whole life. Your whole life is, is though is instance upon instance of, yeah, you could have died. You were fucking stupid. You were doing the thing in the moment. And, and, uh, you know, some people pay the price for that. And, and I don't, that's why, sorry, not to make this about something else, but that's why I think that people are mad fucking rude when they don't understand that their whole life is luck. You know what I mean? Like you're only, it's only by virtue of fucking happenstance that, that you aren't dead right now. So like, people that see like a destiny for themselves. It's like, yo, you look fucking crazy, but that's like, that's the thing is you could have died. You didn't. So I wouldn't urge somebody to come to, to a show where they could potentially bring home a disease to their fucking grandpa and watch him die. Or you get some fucking lung fucking scarring and you're fucking never the same. I wouldn't urge you to come. I would just tell you that this is available if you want to do it. And I don't judge you either way. Well, and, and Tom, to, to Tom's point, can some, can anybody ever really, make like it i think about that too tom because i used to think that we everybody is you know like uh, on some like crime think shit on some fucking like like radical individualism at like you know who i am but it is occasionally the case that i look at it and i go damn people's brains are so literal and so stupid and so unable to think critically about things that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you almost feel like any, like any offer of something dangerous is abuse because they're unqualified to make their own decisions because yes, they're so right. fucking dumb. I want and, to I want to assign agency to everyone to be able to make their own choices and do the things they want to do unimpeded by others. However, <laughs> I am you not, see them. I, I am also not unaware that when this is put to the test in actual practice. 80 to 98 percent 
of the time, people can't can't help themselves from but inflicting self harm or harm on those around them. Yeah. Um. So it's like it's the great dichotomy of wanting like radical individualism. Like that's that's something I I believe I want everyone to be able to just like yo if you're not bothering me, cool. And there's a there's these weird push pull relationships with that existing in a world that is more than just you and your direct relations. But the biggest contra- contrarian kind of rebuttal to it is, yeah, but people are assholes. And it's yeah. not wrong. And it's like, well, I can't argue, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's real. Um, you, you want to assign agency to people and give them that, but then you see what happens. And, and that's kind of the we assign agency to, We assign agency to people as it is. Yeah. If you're oh, going yeah. to a hardcore show in any real way for the last fucking almost 50 years, you are taking your life into your own hands. Right. Sure. You are exactly. voluntarily locking yourself in rooms with very dangerous people. Well, almost everywhere. Exactly. And and doing like, dangerous things yeah, that you, are yeah. sanctioned. Exactly. And it's like your it's it's putting to the test your threshold, your risk aversion, right? And and it, you know, people do, you know, okay, you're going to the show. Hmm. You know there's some unsavory characters there. Oh, you're going to get in the pit. Hmm. Interesting choice. Oh, you're going to stage dive feet first into these characters. Hmm. Even more interesting choice. All right. Let's see where this goes. You're chopping away at your odds here. Right. So, so there's that. But I mean, the other side too, like outside of the people, like, yo, how many people every year do you see complain about fest flu? Yes. Where they go to the show and they come home and say, yo, motherfuckers. What do you think would happen this year? Oh my it's god! A thousand people in a closed area, and I'll, some of y'all are making out. I'll be yep. very honest. Um, I haven't talked with them yet, but but the have heart shows would not have happened if they if they were this summer, not last summer. Just wouldn't mm. happen. Which right. is crazy to think about. But it also is yeah. the idea, like yo, one we legally wouldn't have been able to figure out how to. We wouldn't have found a place to do it. Obviously. Two. Not even the outdoor one. Yeah. No, no. Two. There's a little like, yo, what, what are we, what are we trying to do here? Um, so that brings me to this piece. I think we're we're all kind of in a weird dark place about when shows will happen. I have two other questions, and then I want if if you guys got anything else before we bring in in our guests or whatever. My second question is: We've seen a variety of live streams for different kind of bands all different segments and, and please speak to the information you guys are f- comfortable sharing in a public forum. Some things have gone over real big. Some things have gone over small, but to me, hardcore is different a little bit. There's a little bit more of that reciprocal, the reciprocity between performer and audience. And especially in a live setting. Do you think the live stream platform can work for hardcore bands. Yes or no? Yes. I'm going to say no. I, I am largely that, no. But Patrick, how, please hit us with your yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Maybe maybe Gulch is, is not going to benefit from this moment. Uh, but the more... 
Although I think they might because they're the hottest thing going. Well, and, and people would watch them in their practice space. And Tom, Maybe. Tom, Maybe. I think we're all going to say the exact same thing here. How good is your band? And I, yeah. I say that not how good is your band if there's no one going off? How engaging are you when the only well, eyes on you are a camera? Well, hold on. So, see, that's a that's a multi tiered question, multi- though. It is because because Gulch is obviously engaging as fuck. You could put him in a practice space and they'd be good. That's but, right. You got to have two more people with belts. But the reason that I don't think the reason I don't think that they're that they would benefit from this moment as much as say like. You know, like Code Orange put out a record. They're trying to keep some heat on them during a time that they can't tour. They, like, if they do, like... It's not fair to call them a hardcore band right now. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, but, but I'm not but trying listen, to be. I, I will be the no, first no, no, person I, to listen, say. I'm not, I'm, not re- I'm not reading into okay. the statement. I'm I'm just I'll saying, be the first like, person to say what they're trying to do is awesome. No, but Vane you know? could do the same thing. Hear me out. I, I, what, what I'm saying is, there are bands that, like, if Vane did like a multimedia presentation of some type, people wouldn't. It wouldn't be held against them. So whereas, go- yeah, no, no, no. It, I, all right, so let's let's do this multifaceted. Because that's going to be my next question is three. Um, but bands are going to be having to be creative with what they are over the next period of time. That's for fucking sure. I mean, hey, we're going in a room and here we are playing. Oh, what? no, 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 no. Then no, that is the question. Yeah, no. I mean, like, all right. That so is what I was knife, saying, yeah. The Year of the Knife stream. Mm-hmm. The band sounded fucking incredible. Yep. They're a great live band. Sounded good. Very, very engaging live band that people go nuts for. Right. But it's tough to just watch five human beings. It's, it's, it's inherent in the music that you get a response from people. Right. So it's kind of, you know, especially them. It's their sing-alongs, there's mosh party. Like, it's kind of, like, weird to just kind of... You know, you watch don't. Them. You, you, the, the music's almost built for this, and I mean, I don't say that about you're the knife. I say that about probably ninety percent of hardcore bands. Hundred percent, and you I know? think you know we were saying like I know like we're we're not counting Code Orange in this conversation, but like they're so kind of they they don't fuck around. They spend time, weeks and months putting stuff together. Yeah, for these live streams that like other bands may not have the resources to do so. Yep. The capability, the fucking know-how, like you know what I mean. Like you see, like you know, all, like a lot of folks in Court Orange are like out in their like front yard, like building shit. Yeah, we right. we're, we're, we'll you know talk more like, about that. But like their ambitions, if not, like I, I I'm not saying what they're doing is a blueprint, but what they're doing is sketching a frame for for what my next question is. So so yeah, like but like I'm talking. No, man, to answer up your question, Bob. Yeah. To answer your question, no. Right. Uh, it's a novelty that some people will enjoy on a one occasion. Uh, it, it, it's not. No. The, and, the and I've heard no. lots of different ideas. You know, um, there's talk of bands setting up in a venue and doing it, and maybe that's cool. But if you can't have the audience, and I don't mean people standing there, I, I mean like an actual show with people, it's not going to feel right, and and it loses that energy. Will it? Could it work pretty well for a couple bands? It could. It, it, the listen, more engaging you are as a band and as performers in an isolated setting, I'm very curious. Like, I'm excited. Once Up Closer is doing one this week. That's a cool live band. They're really engaging. Oh, I'm incredibly excited. energetic. And yeah. yeah. 
are amazing. Okay, check this out. So, so I'm excited for it, but like as a whole, they're in the top one percent of bands who I'm like, oh, I'm curious to see if they can pull it off. There's a lot of bands I like a lot that I'm like, oh, they shouldn't do that. That's not going to be good, you know. Wait, tell tell me tell me your opinion on this. I think that from here's how it strikes me. Year of the Knife. Uh, if we're not going to include Code Orange, then forget it for a second. Let's go uh, Vane. Uh, uh, even Jesus Peace, who plays a more traditional uh, sort of heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Let's take those bands. Right. I think those bands would really do great in one of these more planned environments where the lighting is good, where it... Uh, it uh, yes. It, and meanwhile, bands... And listen, listen, for everybody, there's no tone to my voice. These are all good bands we're talking about. Um, but bands like uh, bands like Gulch sure. uh, are not going to do as good in that environment. And I think the inverse, I think the, the like, uh, you're the knife from a practice space doesn't really interest me. Right. You, you know what I mean? But Gulch from practice space does. So more so, I, more so. I think more so, a better more so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nothing from a practice space is turning me on, but like, I, I, I'll I'll tune in. Does that does that make sense to you guys? That sort of the heavier or metal uh, influenced bands do good with production, but look silly almost in a practice space, and vice versa. Uh, yes, because yeah, I think it's jarring if you're yeah. like. If you put like one step closer, like overlaid over like the code orange like glitches, you'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Correct. It's, it's, but like, if it's like vain, the record has glitches in the fucking thing. Right. It makes sense that there's like, you know, like the the camera, like the 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 visuals are stuttering and they're fucking jumping all. Over. That totally makes sense. But like, if, like Gulch coming out and being like, you know, here's a fucking, you know, we're playing in front of like like a you know, a video of Satan, you'd be like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. You know You're kind of getting me that uh, a glitching gulch might be fun though. That might be fun, but I don't think it's our Halloween video. Um, yo, I, I, I largely agree. I also think there's a, there's a, there's a, a competency thing that has to be noted here. Like a performance competency. You have to be plus plus and to pull it off. Like, and, and also one of the senses away. Yeah. And also like, yo, you have to find what what's going to be right for your your band and make it feel right. Like, yo, it would be weird if Gulch did th- that thing, like the high production thing. That's just not who that band is, right? Um, and it'd be it, it 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 would sort of feel weird for Code Orange to do like, hey, we're just going to do a quick stripped down basement set here, folks. Like, given the the level of where they're at, it doesn't fit. The cohesion's not there because of what they are and not, not to say that code orange couldn't go play a basement somewhere tomorrow and have a fucking crazy thing. They could clearly, but it just would be like, wait, what are you guys doing? You went from doing these like literally massive, impressive videos to like, Hey, here we are. And and, like bad lighting in a basement, you know? Um, So, so I, I think my point is when I said hardcore videos, like video streams can work of performances, I mean, the big caveat is not twice. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm not watching well, and, and how long can you twice. get it? And, and so, I mean, the thing that my part on this, and I want you guys to, to talk a little bit about either what you know or what you've seen from, from some of the other stuff that's out there in the world. But the further you get into non-core or not hardcore stuff at all, stuff that's not even of this world, like some of that stuff floats. It's just uh, like what kind of live interaction do you require as a performer yes. for your music that, that makes a yes. big difference? 
That's all true. Um, that's but why I think there's like a happy medium because like, yeah, for example, like that band Lucero, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Lucero. They're like a country band, right? But they have like punk undertones almost. Um, one of the guitar players used to roll with Raid in Memphis. Mm. He was a that's stomp right. crew, like hardline vegan straight edge guy. Not anymore. Um, but like a lot of their shows are really, really interactive. Right. Right. You know, like, you know, as, as punk as you can get at a country show, pretty much. But like the singer who's like the main songwriter and everything will like set up in like his basement bar by himself and play for an hour. And it's incredibly um, entertaining. Right. But like, I think for the most part, like, you know, I've, we were talking, it feels like six years ago, um, Ben Gibbard from Death Cat for Cutie were doing right. them like in his little, his like tiny room, like where he had like his studio stuff. And like, again, he's all by himself, but like they're kind of like a distant sort of band, even with a full band. So it isn't that like kind of weird kind of juxtaposition of like, I'm used to 10,000 people singing along with me. And now here I am, you know, in my little, you know, my little practice space. Yeah. It's not as kind of jarring as it, in terms of like, hey, you know, the last time I saw, you know, fucking One Step Closer, there were hundreds of kids going fucking bananas and singing along. Like, you know, it, it, it's it's just too – it's almost a weird kind of – Yeah, and, and like they're, they're an example. I think they, they're, they're going to pull it off. I'm excited to watch oh, it. Of course. I mean, but there's yeah. so many that it's just like, oh, shit, like – you you have to like and i think you got to go in knowing like there's no i mean we talk about it with a band like american nightmare and it's like it almost goes unsaid but like yeah you know what when when american nightmare was on top in 2001 2 3 whatever dude didn't sing a lot of lyrics cuz he didn't need to cuz the entire goddamn crowd was screaming the words at him yeah of course so you don't get that <laughs> <laughs> it changes the dynamic. So so this all kind of leads, and, and Code Orange, I'm glad they came up here because there's, they're already thinking about this. They were put in a position where they had to. What does it mean to do a band from here till whenever this is over? Okay, so you're going to write, hope, hopefully you're writing or creating music. That's neat. Maybe this is still something you do and, and you know, you socially distant and, and, and this is one of your outlets where you get to go and, and make music with people or, or you're sending it back and forth or anything like that. But what does it mean to be a band in this time? What do bands do so that they don't just disappear either literally or from everyone's collective thoughts? Digital singles. That's my take. Okay. Don't throw out seven songs at once. Make that shit last. Do a, do a monthly singles club or something. Mm-hmm. Keep your keep your mind, you know, keep your name on the forefront of people's minds. PK. Yeah, there's no alternative. Um, there's it's either that or get canceled every month. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do to stay relevant to people? I have no idea. Um, I mean, can can I jump into the negative aspect of this and and talk about the fucking what's going to happen well, no? let's let, let's let's jump in the negative then we can pull back out too um wait did you say did you say get negative yeah no? get negative and we'll pull out after that okay um if you are an an a, a 
an ascendant band right now that is um, just a, like the 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 working class band is in a lot of fucking trouble right now. And that is the bands that make a small living off of touring. That's not most hardcore bands. I'll get to them next. The working class band is fucked really badly. And some of them are never coming back. Many of them are never coming back. What's a, what's, what would you say? Are you comfortable naming like what a working class band is to you? Um, is that like Christ or is that like, so every time I die, we'll survive this because every time I die are survivors. A hundred percent. Yeah. But, but of that level of that, the, I think that that's what you mean. I think that those ba- uh, bands of that level are really jammed up. Now we're not going to see it from, you know, th- th- listen, some bands are really smart people. Every time I die are survivors. They're going to make it through uh, converge. All of those people have done other things that they are able to live off and still promote their involvement in music at the same time it's an amazing band yeah now, they're, they're the they're the 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 the, the, the apex of yeah, what you can do they're, they're don't cry from the argentina you don't have to worry about them don't gotta worry um now don't get me wrong everybody's hurt Everyone's hurt. This. oh but sure. but uh but but those are bands that'll survive there's bands in that lane that size, you know, thousand caps to five hundred caps to the worst year, maybe a three hundred if they got to play a shit town. Uh, those bands are fucked, and not all of them are as smart as every time I die and converge. So there's going to be a lot of pain among those bands, but there's not many of those in hardcore. So, so so let's just get that out of the way. Hardcore adjacent, there's a fucking ton. Now moving down to hardcore. I think the most difficult thing is going to be keeping a buzz. So Gulch just sold hella records. People are fucking excited about this band. It's really a moment and it's nice to see. You saw their second press sold out, right? Yeah. They're killing it. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Killing it. But the way the bands in, in Gulch's shoes usually capitalize off of this moment is by taking festival offers that make them appear bigger than they are. So traditionally what you do is if you have a good moment, you play Coachella. Now there's no reason Gulch should play Coachella or, you know, a a, a, a festival like that. There's no reason except that hardcore kids believe that it's validating that they are that big outside of the world of hardcore that, Ooh, look at this. And it has a ripple effect within hardcore. Everybody thinks you're already buzzy. Now they think you're big. This is what you're supposed to do. And without festivals, there's no way for bands, not no way, pardon me, the traditional avenues to bands capitalizing on a moment, on their heat, is gone. And they're going to have to be really clever to, like Gulch, Gulch, listen, we'll find out when the smoke clears if the record that they just put out is kind of like a modern classic that can stay buzzy, you know what I mean? In which case mm-hmm. it's, it'll be like a nails effect, you know, where they don't have to play all the time, you know, and that'll sure. be fucking great for them. And they'll do good during this period. If, if it's more like, Oh, Hey Gulch, that was fucking awesome. We love this. Can we have more? If it's one of those, 
then they're going to have to get on a schedule. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to have to put out music before they probably would have. And there's going to have to be like, look, like I don't, my model of putting out too much music, it worked for fucked up. Didn't necessarily work. For, you know, it's kept me relevant quote unquote, but I never made money. You know what I mean? I never like, so don't take my advice as like what, what it doesn't mean it works for everybody. But like, I think that there's going to be a lot of bands that have to put out more music than they anticipated in the next 24 months to just to stay popping on people's and, and listen, not for nothing. That's not easy. So everybody that's paying attention that kind of like does this kind of arguably dark, but everybody does it in their group chats sort of thing where they want to see how a band's future plays out. Like, Oh, is this going to be real? Is this blah, blah, blah. Yo, keep in mind, it is fucking tough to put out high quality shit. You can put out shit all the time. Putting out high quality shit at a regular clip is not fucking easy. And that's what we're going to have to do. So, because you can't capitalize off the shit you normally capitalized off of. So let me just keep going down the negative. You, you good with this guys? Yeah. So the other band that got fucked by this moment is clearly code orange. Like super fucked. The, the, they're, their record came out COVID boom. I don't even, did they even get to play their record release? No, it was, that was the virtual thing. They did a virtual. That was the first, that was legitimately the first virtual. Cause it was that the weekend where shit yes. started closing down. Yes, that's right. They scrambled. That was good. Yes. So, it was so, they, so, so they're, they got absolutely fucked and I've been really impressed. Now those live streams are not my thing, but I've been really impressed with, the determination of like, we can well, say, the Hey, they got road road. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, we, it's very impressive. I mean, they right, had Ricky we, Rackman, Ricky yeah, Rackman listen. from headbangers ball did the last one. <laughs> yeah. And he we was can literally say, the MC. Here's, here's what I'm saying though, fellas, we can say like Roadrunner, runner resources. These are clever kids, blah, blah, blah. All true. But there's people whose level of discouragement fucking sends them into a place where they can't even think straight when this sort of thing happens. And I've been impressed that I knew that they wouldn't get jammed up like that, but you never like people, you know, it's hard. So I, but I think that the bands that had something popping and now flatline because of the fucking notorian obviously suffer. So, so, so yeah, there's, there's people who are, were have something popping and get a flatline with notorian. That could be a lot of bands. You have bands who have like a code orange. I don't know. I don't know where they were on their popping level but they had a new thing that was like boom or bust in my opinion you know like and they had an arena tour right this right summer. right so they that were sucks. they were planning something big <laughs> so it was like yeah. where where do they go i think there's a lot of bands who were in the next phase of this hardcore bands who were on the ascendance and it's like oh working on new music oh shit do we keep do when do we do we do this record that we've got ready do we release it now it seems like records are still selling but what does that mean in six months what does that mean in the next time we can play a show are we gonna want to write another record before we play another show right do we put out two lps of material before we play another show right not getting like feedback on that record to be like more of this right and, and like and you guys know this feedback isn't the fucking review isn't isn't us talking about it isn't the review from pitchfork pitchfork it's 
going and playing the shows and go, oh shit, that's the song people love. Oh, right. people Those don't go off to that like song. Shit. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. That's how that is like the actual feedback. And like, by the way, lost in all this is the bands who are on the ascendance, new people into this, into that. And just for whatever reasons, the passage of time is a killer thing. All of a sudden, oh, yeah. it's like we haven't been able to tour, so I got my dream job. Oh, oh. That's happening one- as we speak right now. Listen, my father asked me the other day, hey, how's that job going? I said, good. They continue to pay me. He said, what do you think you're going to do with it? And I said, I laughed at his ass because I said, dad, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't throw their the, the, their decent income into the trash to go make $20,000 a year fucking uh, playing absolute fucking nightmarish shitholes to uh, sound people yep. that you s- sometimes think about stabbing uh, in towns that you wish that you never heard of. And he said, but you're him, aren't you? And I said, that's right, dad. <laughs> so, but here's the deal. It's really not everybody. It's really not that no, many people. No, no. Be- here's the thing. I'm not even talking about the dudes going to the cubicle. I think there's people out there who are like, all right, yo, uh, I can't do this, but I'm going to pursue this other shit that I'm actually interested in, whatever it is. And all of a sudden that shit pops off. Like, yo, then you have a hard decision. Right. Timeline kind of gets quicker. And and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, are we even still doing this band? Oh, there's going to be so much of that. So much. And people aren't so wait, rating that, you know? The grimmest, the grimmest, the grimmest. Um, what, what's your prediction for the die-off? Get, you can give me a percentage. You can give me a, a, the, your predicted over-under. You can give me who, not who, obviously. No, but I, I mean, I can what, confirm some COVID casualties already. I'm not going to name okay, so, so let, But don't, I'm going to say a, okay, let's say of a festival, like imagine of this is hardcore fast, the sound and fury fast, the United blood, something like that. I imagine 20 to 30% of the bands on that will not exist. Okay. Next question. What percentage over the bands that wouldn't have existed anyway? Uh, 20%. So say like there's a natural 10% die off. Yep. I think it'd be double the natural die, uh, triple, double to triple the natural die off. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I just think that's, that's what we're looking at because time is fickle and, and yo, what do you do if you're 26, 27 in the lifespan of being in bands and you're looking at this going, I'm going to be 29. That feels different. And I've been, I haven't been touring for two years. Oh my, come on. I know. Yo, it's, (laughs) I mean, I'll ask you guys this. Like, imagine you were in your full-time band at 27 and things were whatever they were. They were what they were. And then you, by no choice of your own, are sidelined and got to find something to do. It could still, like, Patrick, you're 75 years old. You know, it's fine. You're, you're just setting your ways. But, like, had that happened to you earlier, who knows? You know? Like, well, ch- check it out. Tom can actually tell you because Tom, it, Tom did what I, I think, what I think most of the, not most, most bands are going to break up. The bands are going to break up. are going to break up. But I think that a lot of them like, so Tom was a touring musician 
who then found himself at a crossroads because he wasn't in a band, took an opportunity to get an, edu- get an education, yep. pursue a career, and can- went back to doing a band, but in the capacity that he is now able. And I think that that is what we're going to, we're going to find a lot of bands that were going to be continued national acts who now are more festival acts or, or more like big local and nothing wrong with that, obviously, but it is going to be a change for a lot of people. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this phenomenon. I know it's dark and I, I, cause, but like, it also is what it is. If you can continue making good music, you don't gotta be fucking touring the country for my benefit. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, I I think this is so this place that reality and the thing that you had planned meet is just so goddamn interesting in other people's lives. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, so here's, here's the other question because this is, is a thing. How are new people going to get into hardcore if there's no shows to get into? And how do you get people who aren't into your band already into your band during COVID. Okay. I have a lot to say on that first one. So I'm going to let Tom go first. Um, quite honestly, I don't know how many people are finding out about bands live, you know, from a live show anyway. I think there's still people, not, not bands, but I think there's still people who are, I mean, with that first question, it's more people getting into hardcore, like going to see a getting band into hardcore, like, oh, this yeah. hardcore band that opened, fucking yeah, yeah. right. Like I, I, yeah, I mean, oh, like tough. I got, in, I went to the Straight from the Path show and saw Running Out, and then I started going to shows. You know, like right, right, right. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the bigger losses in terms of like just people like kind of discovering new bands and shit. Like I feel like that happens more often just on the internet than it does. Hey, I went to go see Running Out, and this, you know, this band opened three years ago called Drain. You know what sure. I mean? Like I feel like. Mm-hmm. That didn't has, that doesn't happen as often as it's like, hey, my friends are posting about this demo or this seven inch or this album. You no, know I, I mean? mean, and I think people who are already in hardcore are still seeking out yeah, new music, yeah. but like, but on the side, like how of, are you getting those out? How are you getting like those, new kids yeah. into new people into hardcore? I think it's going to be a lot harder. And instead of it just being like, oh yeah, this is neat. Like, I wonder if you can get into hardcore without the live experience at all. Because that's what yeah, that's what people are being asked to do in 2020. Yeah, like yeah, listen I, to this I mean, cool. He, check out this mosh part. Oh, cool, cool. I can't do anything in my house to it. But I wonder if it, that kind of loss is offset by people that took hardcore for granted uh-huh. and didn't go as often because it was like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I bet you there's a lot of people that you know a lot of doorman metal guys are sure. coming back because it's like fuck i really missed being able to go see fucking no blind you, justice that's for girls. sure no you're you're for sure on that there's like i wonder be, if that offsets the there's loss. Go, well and it's it's like on pure number you could be totally right it would offset the loss but what it doesn't do is it doesn't offset young people new people yeah, into yeah. a thing which we know that matters Probably more, and I hate to say this for all our our returned listeners to hardcore who, you know, like we hear from a lot of people who are like, yo, Axe helped me discover new bands and kind of reconnect with this. Thank you. And I'm like, yo, thank you. I think all three of us feel that in our own ways because of doing this podcast. So thanks. Yeah. Um, but, but like if there's a three-year gap 
or two-year gap or even a one-year gap where all of a sudden no 15 to 20-year-olds are getting into hardcore. Um, that's weird. That's that's not yeah. that's not we we haven't experienced anything like that. So I, I think that's one. And then the other side, uh, Pat, I think you wanted to go more in on this, but please go in on anything you want. Is the how do you get people who aren't already into your band into your new music during COVID? I get asked this a lot, and I don't think there's any good answer um, because the way that it typically works is you bring your friends out to a show, make you appear bigger than you are catch the energy of the people, the people around you catch that energy, right. think that you're bigger. This is tried there's and true. Vid- yeah. There's a video that gets shared. It, listen, we've talked about this, everybody. Hardcore is a fucking scam. You just show up with fucking 20 of your friends and you'll be the biggest fucking band in the world. Yes. It's everybody has done this since the beginning of time. Proven um, nine out of 10 hardcore bands would wink and tell you that's what they did at their shows. Yeah. And that's why like people come to me and ask me, what if I have no friends? Because they know I have no friends. And you know what I'm saying? Well, that's why self-defense family has been a band for 35 years. Exactly. That's why like you don't see us breaking through very much. You know what I mean? You just see us like doing better incrementally. (laughs) So it's like, so I couldn't give anybody, you know, if I had any advice for somebody, it's have friends. But if, if you don't, then you're in the same position that I've always been, which is, Yo, you got to, I mean, Bob, <laughs> Tom will tell you, I'm not the best self-promoter. And, uh, and it's, he's been trying very hard. Uh, Patrick, it's been noticed. You've been trying very hard. I appreciate it. Thank you. So thank it, you for doing your job. <laughs> you know, everybody likes like, to hear that. By being like, yo, I don't give a fuck. I'll give my dad fucking COVID. If I could play a show, yo, you should check out this 1.6 band fucking episode that we did. <laughs> So I'll do it, uh, but I'm not going to do it nicely. I listen, I think that people got to do it. People got to, you got to put in extra work, man. It's just what it is. Like, and what I mean by that is you have to give people something to talk about. And unfortunately, if you don't have any hype and you have no friends and you don't have the media on your side, then you just got to put out enough music that, that people notice that part of your life. You know what I mean? Or you got to put out music that's so fucking extreme that they notice it for that reason, or you have to listen that candy seven inch was a perfect machine for attention. Perfect, perfectly engineered for attention. Hmm. It has a very provocative cover. It is rather extreme music, but still accessible enough uh, that nobody's going to be totally off put by it. Um, And it has a provocative name, candy. Uh, and at least in my world, people didn't know much about what this band was. So it's this, it, it was just perfect. It was a perfect moment for, and it, you have to try to do that. And that's not everybody's nature. Like what if you're just like a laid, like a pulled back introverted Midwest emo dude who happens to play post hardcore. Right. No candy Yo. was able to capture like appreciate. They had a, a friend group who repped it super hard, um, people vibed on it. People enjoyed the art. People who'd never heard of them were like, "Whoa, this is good." It was impressive musically. It felt fresh. Yeah, that mattered. It captured sure. all this different energy all in one. And you just like, I don't know if that's totally possible during this, but I mean, you know, like, yo, uh, major props to Gulch because they put out an LP in the middle of this, and Gulch and Closed killed Casket it. K- killed it. It wouldn't have. I don't think. 
it could, couldn't have done any better. Yes, exactly. It couldn't have done better if there were shows tomorrow, yesterday, next week, every day, whatever. It doesn't matter, you know? Yep. So uh, it would it be all right if I invited somebody in right now, fellas? Hey, fellas, can I get in on this? <laughs> let's let's see if right we, let's see if we, let's see if we get a hit. We'll we'll, we'll see if uh, if this individual comes Throw in. Throw the magnet do, into the water. When they do, we'll say hello. Um, he so, has been texting me because he was like, "Is Pat on like California time?" I'm like, he oh, yeah. lives in a garage in Albany, Schenectady, Tom. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Gloversville. <laughs> um, so. Uh, a basement apartment in Mechanicville. I get it. I think, yeah. Uh-huh. Wrong side of the oh. river. Oh. So I, I think that uh, regarding the hardcore part, that's a fascinating question, Bob, that I hadn't considered. The only re- the only way people are going to get into hardcore right now is based on tri- like superficial bullshit and fashionable shit that they come across on the internet. Um, I mean, that's not- if you want my positive spin, it's just that bands are going to have to be super creative. That's why I said like okay. Code Orange – is not a blueprint, but they are doing, they're working hard. And I'm not saying it's possible, but I'm also not saying it's impossible for bands to try to figure out. Like that's, that's the question I think people, and that's bands, that's labels. Like what's it mean? Labels. It's easier. You're putting out records. You're trying to expose people to new music. You're doing it, but people doing other stuff. Like what do you do while this is going on? That is, is band activities. Do you still practice? Do you still write music? Do you have a record you're working on? You know, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed in that I've got one band with uh, 14 songs recorded that, I, or that I've got to lay vocals on, so that's keeping me busy. Yep. And then uh, another band that's probably going to enter the studio in December. Uh, and, but this whole thing of staying creatively busy yes. during this time is, you know, that's real. Mm-hmm. Like. That's a, a an actual concern that that uh, uh, not everybody like I talk to people in comics. Not everybody is handling this moment very well. Some That's people right. are some people are frozen. Uh, but you got to break through it if you want anything because you can't take two years off of being a creative person. Right. It's not well, and, and I mean when we talk about the mental health side of it, I think. Uh, engaging in creativity, uh, especially if it's something you were doing prior, is is uh, necessary. I'll say necessary. Right. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, 
We're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or were nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Um, Do you think this will add to the quality control of records coming out forthcoming because they have there's no real schedule? So you could, you know, rather than being like, all right, so you guys have these 14 songs. Like, you can work on them until they're like 11 fucking perfect songs for a record. Yep. There's The time crunch isn't as prevalent. Yeah. Although the, the EP, I'm getting pressure to put out the EP. Uh, I'd like to finish my job on that uh, because th- <laughs> labels don't want you to be forgotten. Y- you know what I mean? So, like, it, it, it's a... Drug Church was a regularly touring act for like the two years that we had a record out. We were always someplace. You guys were, you guys know because yes. I'd be calling from Tulsa. Yep. You, you know what I mean? So right. it, it, it's, uh, 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 I, we got to do something to, to, to keep the interest there. All right. You're going to, you got our guests coming in. Uh, let me make sure. No, I fucked that up. Hold on, hold on. Boo. Boo. Hold on. You use you know it's the I green did? button with the phone on it. You know what I did? No, no, no. I'm doing a different thing here. Okay. I'm inviting them into uh, our world. This is our world. This this is our world. Um. So, do you guys have any advice while I hook this up? Uh. For these bands, so getting creative, uh, Bob. You're, I mean, I mean, you're right. You gotta, but, but, you, but what's it mean? What's it mean? It means you got to think about. I mean, the thing I'll tell you is don't don't try don't be don't try to do what Code Orange did because like there's one okay. band who can pull that off. You know, like yeah. maybe maybe two, three, whatever. But like you got to do stuff that feels authentic to yourself. S- try to stay connected. Try to stay relevant. I think releasing music is viable. I'm still seeing people buy records. I think there's almost a reinvigorated uh, nature to buying records. I'm, I think there's people who are kind of getting into it because it's something you can do from home. You can buy a record and look at and play it and do the whole damn thing. Um, but, you know, don't don't force it because people will feel that too. And that's that's a push off. You know, a lot, people like, like um, feeling connected. But they don't feel they they don't always love feeling like you're being you're trying to sell to them. You know what I mean? Um, so oh, yeah, absolutely. So like, do do stuff to stay out there, to stay aware, to keep people curious. But do you think like slow releases are the way to go? Because it's like if you put out a fucking seven song EP, that's easily digestible and forgotten. Yeah. But if you put those songs one song out for seven months, that may go further. It depends on what it is because uh, I think there's people who, man, it, this this might be we might need to do a further dive. I think it works for some bands and doesn't work for others. Um, I think that we now are no longer even talking about digital versus physical only, though I think you could have a conversation about that. 
Um, right. Do it digitally for seven months and then right. compile and then it then on seven inches. Yeah, like, like I mean, to be honest, like Pat, what, what Self Defense did with those those odd singles, where it was yeah. kind of like scraps and stuff left around. Like, what made that work was there was kind of this concise regular planned thing they all had art that worked well like just like you were putting out a record right um, merch that went with it yep and and you know what what we're seeing now is the kind of like fade out where people are still discovering some of that material too so yeah that's true um so i think that's cool i think that's an idea i think that you know like maybe this is a time where we'll start seeing more creative stuff maybe we're going to see collaborative things where bands are doing odd split type things uh you know where you're trying to get that natural the organic exposure to a different group of people you know like we talk about the power that the incendiary splits had on that band's growth yep so that's a more natural way to do it and you just hope for that kind of shit but i mean you know it really depends on who your band is you know like i i don't think like yo live streams fuck around and find out like You'll find out real quick and you, you should ask around. Hopefully you have some friends who are, are honest with you and be like, yo, do you think we should do this? And they'd be like, nah, man, your band's fun because everybody goes nuts. If it's just your dumbass standing up there, we ain't going to have fun. I'm just going to watch you on the, the computer. No, thanks. I'm going to watch you on my phone. No, thanks. Um, but there's there's a, a lot of different ways. I think I think we're going to see some interesting shit and, and what i my my biggest recommendation is to to try um yeah i could have you guys seen what the the thursday is doing no they're hardcore jace those are hardcore dudes sure sure um so they they announced their summer tour summer fall tour that got canceled obviously but it was like it had never been announced so they're like oh by the way it was supposed to be this tour and it was uh, i can't think of the band from belfast cursive and thursday doing a doing like a west coast run or whatever so they they announced that as like this is what was supposed to happen now they're doing it so they're doing um a lot a live um stream of uh, one of those shows so like the belt the band from belfast i think it's called like and i still love you from afar or something they're playing in belfast live. Uh, so i wa- and so i watched you from afar yes and so i wa- yeah So they're playing from Belfast. They're using a cursive uh, live set that never got released from St. Vitus. Mm. And then Thursday's playing from St. Vitus. Oh, Oh, no shit. Like, I think that's a kind of a cool idea. Like, I think the like having one band do it's kind of weird. But if you can do it, that it's like, like kind of organic that there's like, this is sort of like a show. Yeah, I think it takes away the weirdness of it. You a you, you got to try. You know, like I, I give yeah. and, and take unique spin on it. I mean, that's my hope. I, I hope that we see the flourish of creativity. I, I actually think for some of these bands, yo, like we all know a bunch of these people in bands. There's all varying levels of creatives in a band, in a unit. And I just hope that we get to see some of that on display. I think it's I think it's going to be fun to see. Okay, so uh, we're dealing with uh, the only person that I know who didn't have Chrome on their phone. So, or Chrome. Hello. Hello. Max, you are uh, on X to Grind. Uh, you don't have Chrome on your uh, computer. That's alarming. What, what are you dealing with? What, what, what is your preferred browser? I'm a Safari man myself. Thanks 
Oh, Safari. Okay. Yeah. I, I have a, like a MacBook Air that I barely use for anything but work. So, very fascinating. So, 2007. All right. Uh, listen, uh, we're going to see if the guys can hear you and if you can hear the guys. Guys, say hello to Max. Hi, Max. Hey, Max. How's it going? It's going all right. I can barely hear Tom. Okay. So, Can't really hear Max. So here's the deal. Uh, we're going to ask you about uh, what's going on in music, if you see a future, if you've gotten a job landscaping yet. Uh, at first, it's, explain who you are. Um, yeah, so... My name is Max Vick. Um, I work at Artist Group International as a booking agent. Um, I book various bands of the metal and hardcore spectrum, but also beyond that into the indie world, um, especially with some of the partnerships that I have uh, with some of the agents that I work with. So my primary bands that I book are a band called Cadaver from Germany. Um, I help out with uh, Integrity. Killing Time Guys, Breakdown, and uh, a band called Woven Hand as well. Oh. Beyond that, um, I partner with uh, Nick Storch, and we book all kinds of uh, metal bands, everything from Cannibal Corpse and Obituary. Uh, Nick um, primarily books Ghost, and also some other stuff like Frank Turner and uh, things like that. So I've been booking shows in various uh, from, from various forms for about 10 years since I was 16 and I'm 26 now. Yeah. For, for anybody that doesn't know, I might, I might've mentioned Max on the show before I met him when he was 11 and he was touring Europe. Uh, he was one of those CDC style bands that was touring, uh, for 10 years on a demo, uh, all across the Pretty world. Much. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, also if you played, uh, what was the name of the venue that Bernie Sanders owns? What is that? Um, 242 Main. I'm originally from Burlington, Vermont, and um, I booked, played a lot of shows there in the, I guess, I don't know, the last, at the last portion of 242's existence. Oh, is it over? Yeah, it's uh, um, the building that it's in no longer, it, it was condemned, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Uh Okay, so tell us uh, what you're able to tell us without tanking your career. Uh, the question everybody has is when is when is live music coming back? Uh, try not to uh, have any of your artists uh, quit their uh, quit music by what you're about to say, but go no. ahead and tell us the truth. So the way that we see it right now, we are planning predominantly, and this is for this is. The way that we see it right now is that no one really knows um, because of the government in really having a say in how venues are opening in certain states, venues can be open um, right. to some extent, whether you have a reduced capacity or you have a, you know, you're really a restaurant um, or you need to exist in an outdoor space with um, a lot of different types of you know, configurations to keep some kind of social distancing. Uh, certain venues can be open. In other places, venues are not going to be open for months in any capacity, even in a bar capacity, um, which makes national touring a non-option. So if we're looking at what's realistic, we're probably looking at the hopefully, hopefully the second and the 
third and the fourth quarter of 2021. That's the best that I could say in terms of what we'd like to have happen. But it's looking like quarter one is is a fool's dream at this point, simply because even if there's a cure-all that happens, if you know, if we come through with a if we come if we come through with a vaccine and we come through with therapeutics that really you know make the disease a non-issue, the problem will be that we won't have enough time to put shows on sale to sell tickets right. for effective national touring to happen. And whether or not we see anything close to that is you know anybody's guess. So the biggest issue is that on a national level, there's no plan. And so we can't respond in kind with, okay, here's how we're going to roll anything out. So because it's a state-by-state thing, it's much more likely for regional touring and local shows to happen first before you see any bands announcing, all right, this is our full you know, U.S. tour market for whatever album you have. So... Okay, so what do you make of uh, like what they're calling red state tours? Uh, like, can you can you put something together? For example, for I'm no I know Ghost isn't directly your client, but I'm just no. I'm just going to speak to uh, something that is there. Kind of aren't community expectations on Ghost. You understand? No. So sure. so could could Ghost do a uh, Missouri, uh, uh, Illinois, like Illinois? sort of uh, can they link together 10 shows right now? I don't think so. No. The issue would be getting the people. So, so first of all, res- responsibly. No, there's no, there, 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 there square. Go on. No, no, sorry. We're no, thanks Max. Max is speaking the if truth. You, no, that's the thing is that responsibly, there's no way to have a tour happen because for multiple reasons, financially, and and when we say responsibly, what that then bears down to is financially, <laughs> insurance wise, getting people from you know ghosts and international bands. So let's 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 take international bands out of the conversation for now. Um, we can use like you know so band that can draw people. That, you know band A comes. If you're a country band, you can do it. You can play shows where they'll happen. But the problem is you'll have a situation. Um, with the artists, same as the artists like Chase Rice, where you can play a you know a string of dates in very specific venues where the the you know they want to have you know they have quote unquote social distancing rules, but it's not really going to work financially. It's going to be more of a of a PR stunt and responsibly, and again that's that also really means financially um, because if someone in your crew gets it. The whole tour might need to shut down. Insurance-wise, it's really tough to you know get that. The bands have bands at a certain level have tour insurance, where if something goes wrong, they're insured against a cancellation. They get money back. But in the current world, you, it doesn't exist. No one's going to insure a tour that's going out when COVID exists. Um, so the short, so the answer is. If you really wanted to do it, if you were Smash Mouth and you really wanted to go play Sturgis, <laughs> you could, you know, you could do it. No, you could play one or two shows, but there's no real way to do it in a way that's going to make money in the way that artists need to make money in the current day. You need to, you know, for especially bands that we're talking about, because you need to. 
the, the, the sweet spot for bands who can actually make money right now is a band who's big enough to draw a crowd, but a band who is not so big where the crowd that they would draw with a socially distanced venue makes it so the money just doesn't isn't there for them. So join Smash Mouth, you go go play Sturgis and you could, you know, play to a thousand people in a two thousand cap room. But the bands who, you know, can draw that kind of crowd right now, you gotta be a country artist and you gotta be some or or you gotta be someone who can play, you know, who can draw in a what we would say, you know, is a C market or something like that. Right. You know, where you can go play in Missoula and it really pops off there. But no, it's the just, dream. It yeah, the dream. That is the dream. I'm not even kidding. The dream is to book the country tour where you just play places in the South, you know, and, and you know, places like DeKalb. And then all of a sudden you, uh, you know, or like, you know, so it's like seven different places in Idaho. I love looking at country tours where all of a sudden I'm looking at markets I've never seen, but they play. Seven days there, and you're playing Coeur d'Alene north of the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. So, so here, here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, uh, from bands that make money to bands that don't make money. Yeah. Uh, hardcore shows. Do you think that the fact that they are, uh, do you think they're more agile, or do you think that there's no hope because uh, these are shows that are reliant on the fact that there's no social distancing? I think a hardcore show at this point. It depends what your goal is. If you really just want to get together and see your, you know, have a, you know, I guess, I guess expand on that. What do you mean? Kids want like, to mosh and stage dive. But, but I think yeah, it's the same yeah. thing about touring, right? I mean. So, so a, a typical hardcore show or a good hardcore show, let's say, right? Yeah. Uh, do you think they come back before or after Muse? So originally I thought that smaller venues would have an easier time of coming back and having show and having shows happen. But then it became very clear that big bands that can draw more people to a large, huge, like a massive open space are going to be much more agile than a band who needs to be in a, you know, on a good day in a 350 cap room because those 350 cap rooms now can hold 25 to 50 people inside in certain areas. Jesus. So that's the issue is that if you want to, in certain places, you could go play a hardcore show to 50 people in a 500 cap room. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's, bands, there's plenty bands, of bands. That's, that's their life anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for some bands, that's fantastic. Um, but again, would it be responsible and would it, you know, nine times out of 10, it might not be a problem at all, but the last thing you want, and this is the real, and this is what everyone's afraid of. The last thing you want is to be the headline band X plays event that turns into a super spreader event. And you get sued because X, you know, amount of people walked away and it was traced back to them that now they are, you know, COVID positive after, you know, stage diving on someone's head. Uh, okay. So you don't have to answer this if it's pathetic or, or, you know, if you don't want to reveal what kiosk at what mall you're working at, but, (laughs) but what, what are people in your position doing? So certain people in my position are finding other lines of work. Certain people in my position are, are 
taking are seeing that they had a certain career at this point and just saying, you know what? I'm good. I was able to, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my money where it needed to be, where I can step back. There's other folks who are going to take this time to maybe get an odd job um, elsewhere for a bit and then, you know, work at a record plant, work at a merch, work at a, you know, merch place for a while. I have some friends who are doing that. Um, and they're, you know, just kind of making do with whatever they need to do until this comes back. So there's yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of agencies that are, you know, cutting their, it's interesting. They are cutting the people who are the most burdensome to them. So they are cutting people who you would, who you wouldn't think their job would be in jeopardy, but because their salary is such that they're, um, really, a, you know, putting a dent in this company's budget. Those are the people that are going. And so those people who are at the same time the most agile to maybe take a break and then go get an offer from somewhere else when it becomes, you know, an actual world for this, for the music industry again. Yeah, that, that's uh, the difference, the, the sort of class system that exists in bands yes. that also exists in agents yep. is uh, really interesting to watch play out right now uh, yep. because everybody has to do what's best for them. But uh, it, it is, uh, those are quite disparate uh, outcomes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you have two, you have two models of agency, right? So you have, there's a, there's, there's an independent, um, there's an independent agency and some of those are only are independent in the fact that they are not, there's not a giant board. They're not comprised of multiple um, departments. So there, there's some large, there's some, you know, there's some like, uh, the place that I work at is an independent agency. However, we have the ability not to operate in the way that an independent agency does or many independent agencies do. Some of them operate strictly off. You make your commission and you split it with your, um, with the agency that provides you certain tools to do it. And it's really commission based. Some of them also work on a salary, which is what many, um, booking agencies, you know, who have the ability to do. So the certain agents that I know who work, you know, they make what they make in that year and that's what they're going to make. It's a really tough time for them. It's a really, you know, it's a really hard time for them. And so they figured out ways just to get by in the same way that everyone else does. So, uh, okay. Who is, uh, uh, two dark questions. Okay. First one, who's going to suffer the most, obviously no names, but, no. What type of acts are going to suffer the most from our world? You don't need to tell us about the fucking ghost. And yeah. uh, uh, the, the other question was, well, I'll answer that one first while I get my head together. Okay. I, I would say the bands that are going to suffer the most are, to be honest, the bands who had all of their steam going into the shutdown. So I think bands who put out albums right as the shutdown happened are looking at pretty much a lost cycle. You're looking at a lost, unless you've really capitalized on live streaming and figured out a way to relate to your fans while not, you know, having a live show to present to them, you're losing, you're losing all of the effort that you put in. So you might be losing two to four years of effort that you put into that release. There's also a level of band that is a working class person. You know, for, for all intents and purposes, 
they're bands that go out for, you know, 200 to 300, or they try to go out for 200 to 300 dates a year, you know, 150 dates a year, and they make their living doing that, and they pull down an, an honest living, but they're very much a working band. So not rock stars, but people who, that's their sole income, and that's been their sole income for that, you know, for a certain amount of time where they don't really know how to do anything else. And so they're going to be the ones who are really hurting in terms of, you know, not just financially, but I think emotionally is a huge thing. You know, they're going to be reevaluating their whole life during this time because they haven't spent time at home in six months, you know, for more than, for more than a, you know, six weeks ever. They never have done that at, at their home. And so that's what's really going to be. You know, hurting people, and so it's it's tough. People who really go out there, they make a living off their music. Um, that you know might not be somewhere where they can make savings. That's really hard. I have a few artists who, it's it's been you know I'm trying to figure out ways that we can get the money in their pocket, no matter what's going on, because I know that it's important because they have families to raise, and there's not a whole lot. As you know, as as everyone knows. There's no money in, re- in recording. The money's in live music. And now people are just trying to figure out how to get the money back into streaming. Right. I mean, really, you know. It, so. it's, it's funny slash depressing slash kind of encouraging to watch because uh, it does need to be addressed. Now, next question for you. What are your conversations like? You just said that uh, you're working on shit, trying to figure it out for bands. Are people, are your acts... Again, no names, and we're not going to assume. Yeah, we're course. not going to assume anybody by what you're about to say. But oh, are you encountering? Are you encountering a malaise, a depression, an uncertainty? Like, uh, is are people being creative during this time, or are people crushed? Sure. So, I've the acts I work with have been very fortunate in this in this way. Uh, many of them are using this time to write new music. I have a band who just put out. Uh, or I work with a band who just who have just put out an entirely a new album with entirely you know a different sound than the album that they put out because they recognized that their album cycle was cut short. So they were, so they just said, all right, we're going to put out some more new music, and the fans have really enjoyed it. They've been doing live streams um, throughout the throughout the, the you know throughout the pandemic, um, and so they're like, you know, we're going to put out something that's just going to hold everyone over until the until the end of this. And for the most part, I, I, I'm really drawn to acts who are creatively driven. That's the one, you know, I, I have, it's, it's either they're creatively driven or I just love them so much that I needed to work with them. And they're, you know, they're a legacy act um, in that way. And for the most part, the ones who are creatively driven who really do this day in and day out, they just use this time to make, you know, make more art which I really love. I haven't encountered anyone and I'm really lucky that I haven't encountered anyone who's just totally, totally has that, you know, malaise. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. That has not been my experience yet. And I, I think more so there are managers that exist out there who feel that way. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's the big thing. Whereas the artists who we, you know, who we represent for the most part, they've, again, really lucky to say this they've just been able to take some time make more music make more art do what they do and that's been great the managers who they're involved with have to really you know deal with the deal with trying to plan and that's the that's the downfall here 
when you're trying to plan through all of this, you just keep moving things and moving things and moving things. I think when this all started, um, when I got a call right as this happened, or right as COVID started in March, when, when the U.S. started to really lock down, I got a call from a tour manager. Tour manager told me, hey, they're going to shut down the entire U.S. tomorrow. And I was like, no, they're not. What are you talking about? We had, we had a band who had flown from Europe that was on the way from rehearsals on the way to Denver. We had one show that was, um, that had dropped in Seattle and we were trying to figure out a way to get it to play out in Spokane. And then two days later, I am rerouting and rebooking. I want to say seven tours that we had, you know, it was seven tours. And I think by the end of this, I want to say that I've rebooked at this point over a thousand. It's close to a thousand shows. I haven't done a full count, but it's close to a thousand shows. And in terms of just holds that I'm holding, it's definitely over a thousand dates in, you know, for the entirety of into 2021. It's, it's an insane amount of, of movement and it's, and we don't know when it's going to really break and people are kind of trying to make bets on it. Okay, I think these are the dates. I think these are going to be the dates. These might be the dates. And then those dates just kind of keep rolling over and rolling over and rolling over. So Yeah. All right. So this might be the last question for you, Max. It related to that. How fucked are holds? Like, do holds even matter? Like, do, could you explain, firstly, explain to the audience yeah, our, may, our, maybe yeah. what a hold is, but then sure. how that some of these venues won't exist. You know what I mean? So, so the whole yeah. idea is crazy at the moment. So that's already that's already happened. I rescheduled a tour, um, and one of the venues uh, no longer is open. And I, I'd love to touch on on that aspect of it because the bands are one thing, but the whole entire ecosystem of music is going to look different after all of this because from the top down, from loaders to vendors to venues, it's going to look a whole lot different. And the costs are going to be a whole lot different than they are now. Um, so to, to touch on holds. Um, so what, what I do when we have to book a tour is we, I'll write a venue in, I'll say I write a venue in Denver. And I say, hey, we need to come in on, we're, we're probably going to come in on July 8th. It might be July 9th, but I want July 7th through the 10th. I want to hold all of these dates um, at whatever venue in Denver. And what will happen is the promoter will get back to me. I'll say, hello, thank, thank God you, you've written us. We're so happy. Mm. Um, and uh, they'll say, well, I can give you first hold on the 7th and the 8th, but someone has already written us and they need the 6th, they need the 10th as well. So now you're second hold. And then we all kind of stack on top of each other. Um, so eventually, so I'll write someone else. Sometimes it's either second hold, third hold, whatever. Um, currently in October of 2021, we're looking at 10th hold, 15th hold. Now here's the thing though. We can say that, but usually, or at least here's what I think is going to happen. Those holds are not real in many ways. Right. I don't think that there are really that many bands who need that. So, for instance, we have one band who the way that they're um, the way that it works for them is 
it doesn't really matter in their schedule where they're playing because of just how they like to tour. It matters what day they're playing on. So I'll go and hold a Saturday and a Friday in in one market for a whole entire month. And I think there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of bands who are just kind of being like, all right, we're going to take that for now. But if the second anyone decides to challenge the hold, which means to try to confirm the show and everyone else needs to be notified, hey, this band's challenging this hold, um, are you going to take it? And then it kind of goes in order. If you had it first, you get claimed to the date. I think when that starts happening, predominantly, and I'm trying to be optimistic here, predominantly people are just going to be like, no, that's not actually going to happen. Because again, no one has solid plans. No one has a solid idea of when this is going to happen. So every now and again, I'll get a message saying, hey, this date that you were holding, you know, someone wants to take it. I'm like, why? How do you, how does, what does this person think they know? You know, who wants to confirm on this? So it happened. We, show we have plans in 2022 right now i'm like okay we'll take <laughs> wow, those dates right you know and this is for this is for certain bands that really need to plan in advance uh, we'll take those dates but when someone's challenging my hold in march of 2021 i'm like okay and that's again this is for your large venue you know this is for your thousand capacity 800 capacity and up for bands that are playing in 500 capacities I think that it will be a lot easier because it'll just kind of, it'll fill up. And once, and, and once there's actually kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, a small light, it's not going to be like a day when things are, all right, we're back on, let's go. But once there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you're going to see people kind of creep in there. So again, you might say it's a tenfold, but it's not real. It's not real in the same way that if it was a regular, if this was a regular time period, say it's like Los Angeles around Coachella, which is the only other time you see that amount of holds. Those are real. Right now, it's kind of like they're just numbers. It's not real. Uh, Okay. okay. Uh, I have a question. Can you hear me? Can you hear Tom? He's got a question. Yeah. Um, Pat, I also got like a error message saying that I was disconnected, but I seem to be back connected recording. So yeah, I think you're good. Um, So do you have like say like you know you you have a tour set for you know band A. Do you have yeah. like two or three versions of that tour laid out? Like, yes. In terms of so, like you have like here's the March 2021 routing, here's the June yes. 2021 route. Oh, you do! Wow. Yeah. So, so this is a big thing that we do now, or that I that I've been really working on is we have a lot of stuff in March and April. Everything in March and April probably needs a backup date. Yep. It probably needs some, and again, March and April might play off. People don't know. So we need both. We need backup dates at the end of the year. We need backup dates so that when it comes down to it, we're not going to get caught with our, you know, with our pants down. And then the artist comes back to us and says, well, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so, Max, have you ever worked so hard for so little money? <laughs> If if you've rebooked the same tours upwards of three times, you've done your job for zero money three times over. You know, I have to say, this is this is the the least cynical that I will ever sound, probably in my entire life. But I uh, I would like to be doing this is 
I have a brain disease. This is this. I would love to be doing nothing else in my life. I love my job, and so doing this for other, you know, doing this over and over again has really been like a learning experience for me. And so, um, no, I don't feel I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I, you know, it's been really hard work, but at the same time, um, it's what I love to do. How, how tight are your Excel sheets? Are you just the fucking master now? Yes. <laughs> I, I, was all already, the formulas. I was already pretty good, but this was like, the way that I saw it when it was all, when it was all really happening, when my, um, like I said, when I, I, I described it as kind of like the Berlin airlift of, of concert dates. Yep. I felt like it was a test at the end of like a long school year. And I think I aced it because there was just, we had so many bands to get up and move. And so many people to communicate with at the same time. Um, it was a pretty agile experience. I felt very proud of the work that I did then. The, I'm now watching all of that work be torn apart by you know the, the the fact that none of those dates might actually end up playing. They'll all need to happen again. But um, yeah, no, this was like a it was a huge it was a huge experience um, to do. So. Max, Final I question. got I got one last nope. thing here. And Bob's got one. Okay. Mentally, how is this for you? Because I mean, by nature, your profession is planning, and you know, and yes. you just describe replanning and pre-planning the replan. When you yes. see it go through the third or fourth iteration, what's that? I mean, I I'm assuming frustration, but as it keeps going and going, what what is that feeling to you? What's the sensation? So. Um, I would say that it's, it's, it's certainly frustrating. It's frustrating to watch my, a lot of people who are not in as fortunate of a situation as I am seemingly kind of get hung out to dry who are in my, who are in the music industry. If you're a, if you're a, someone who gets called every day to come and load in, you know, gear and that's your predicament, or or, sorry, not and that, and that's you know what you do for work. Those people have had their entire livelihoods torn apart from them, and that sucks. It sucks watching venues close. It sucks watching people who I've um, worked with very close every day had the place that they you know call home or, or their their venue that's near and dear to them or their local space that um, you know that's very very close to their heart. People like all right, you know we can't stay open throughout all. And that's awful. Um, and so, on a personal level, it's just kind of boring right. after a while. Because you go, okay, we're moving this on. We're moving this on. And for a while, it was somewhat exciting again because it was like a test of, of like fortitude. Like, can our team execute all of these things at once? Yep. And we were able to. And that was really, really cool. But now it's, it's just a wait and see game. And it, it, it's, it's boring. It's frustrating, and it sucks watching your coworkers and people who you respect in the industry lose their livelihoods and lose, you know, the positions that they've worked really hard for. That's that's the biggest problem that I see right now is that there are people who have toiled and toiled and toiled away. Twenty twenty was going to be the year where something may have happened. It was going to be a year of progress right. for these people, no matter what you're doing. And this applies to everyone. No matter what you're doing, you're losing that year of work. You're losing that year of progress in your personal life and in your professional life. And I can think of very few things that 
are as frustrating to get torn away from you. That sucks. Um, you know, being saying like, all right, I have to just sit here and nothing is going to happen for someone who wants to be productive and for someone who likes, you know, as you said, planning is part of my nature and, and, and putting and executing things is part of my nature. To just sit and not do that for reasons that are completely out of my control is nauseating. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that, and I think that really applies to everyone, not just people who are in the music industry, but I think anyone who is, you know, wondering like, all right, this year I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get that raise. This year I'm going to create something that requires people to get together for, but I can't do that now. And that's, you know, my mindset. Luckily I'm surrounded by a great group of people to work with. And we've all, like we all have tried to be as social as possible during this time. You know, we have like a, meet, a virtual meeting every day. And that's really the thing that's kind of kept me from having a, a, a more like depressed outlook on this entire thing. Um, because we find new things to work on every day. And somehow, um, my team has been amazing at finding new and creative projects to, to work on that aren't just booking, that aren't just getting dates because the booking agent post-COVID can't be the same person that they were after or, or prior to prior to all of this. Be good, That's the big good point. They can't, if you just are, if, if you've made absolutely no progress in what you're presenting to your artist, once this is all over, then you're not doing your job because booking agents are going to need to be able to say, okay, listen, here's your live stream. Here is the options that we have for, you know, virtually. Here's the options. Here's the way that we've tightened up your contract this year. So we know that your the rights to your live show at this venue are still yours. That stuff's super important. So Max, final question, and then I got to get you out of here. I got two agents that I that I like, but if those cowards won't book me at Sturgis, will you do it? Um, probably not going to book you at Sturgis, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, I can't. I, I, well, actually, you know what? Here's the thing. Give I'm me a yes that, or no, I'm Max. Not, I'm, I'm going to take that back. Here's the thing. We are, it's our job to give you all of the options of how you can execute your plan and if it's a good idea to do it or not. I, I love, I love this weasel. Isn't it? Uh, this is the best. <laughs> this, this is the best. That's a, that's a capital minded man right there. Okay. No, so, here, so here it is. If, listen, if the band wants to go play Sturgis, yes. my job, I work for you. Thank you. Okay. That's it. That's what I got to say. You know, um, thank you. You're it. my, you're my COVID concierge. I, I will. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Max. Thanks, Max. Thank you for having me. Later. Thanks so Bye. much, man. Okay. Uh, that was informative. Uh, I'm going to make another phone call Ooh. right now. How you guys feel about Let's that? Let's do it. Does, does the next person have Chrome? <laughs> God, no. No Chrome. Why don't, That's crazy. Uh, go to Chrome. Yo. All right. Introduce yourself. You're on a podcast. Oh! to grind. Uh, introduce yourself and tell us what you do, please. What I do or what I used to do. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just say it all. Uh, Feel well, free, by the way. This is free therapy. Feel free to unload. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dave Shapiro. Hi, I boss. 
own a booking agency called Sound Talent Group, which used to book tours for bands. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, that that's that's what I do uh, <laughs> or did. Give us give us a tiny bit of your roster. You can tail it's a big roster. You can tailor it to our audience if you want, or you can try to flex whatever you prefer. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we we've been doing it a long time and have a lot of agents on, under uh, under our umbrella. So between everyone, we do everything from uh, well, we do your band, mm. um, your bands. Yeah, we also do. Uh, hold on, hold on, Dave. Go know. go from my bands to something really big. Is that called pro bono uh, work? Or- <laughs> That's right. Uh, we do Parkway Drive, Lamb of God. Uh, hey breed um i prevail we do kill switch engage um is it a fact that you, that you do one of my favorite yeah. acts one of the favorite acts of this podcast yeah. that is clutch we do we do handle clutch yes we actually also one thing we actually have been doing during this time um is we've pivoted a little bit to doing a bunch of the live streams and we just uh our second clutch live stream uh, this last weekend, which was great. Dave, what, w- real quick, because I think we've gotten enough introductions. You can at some point explain why you would slum it and work with Patrick's bands, but not right now. Um, can you <laughs> call me up on another episode? Right, that. right. That's yeah, that's that's a that different call. decompression. Um, you just talked about the Clutch live streams. I think that works for a band like yep. Clutch. Do you think? Yeah, we're t- Do you think they would work for the? smaller punk hardcore band i think if you put a handful of them together to make like one kind of bigger show more compelling package like a like you would on a tour uh i think that it could work yes okay okay uh yeah tell us tell us a little bit about this moment we just we just heard from max vick who was pretending he was doing a stiff upper lip thing where like he was acting like this was the best years of his life. Uh, Firstly, are you, are you beating an egg in the background? What is that? Smoothie. Uh, My wife is making dinner. Okay. (laughs) Step step away from whatever, whatever Julia is doing. And uh, you can be more honest. You actually taught yourself small motor repair during this time, because that's uh, how much your brain is being underutilized. Well, it's also a, a cost-benefit analysis, right? See, in the past, when I had a job uh, and I was gainfully employed, it made more sense to pay someone else to fix a car while I made a living. See, now, saving the money of just buying a part and figuring out how to fix it myself is uh, more beneficial. You see what I mean? It's just... Uh, cost-benefit analysis. Uh, Dave, without, obviously it's rude to talk numbers. Uh, would you just give me, would you just give me a groan or agonized scream as to how much you have personally suffered during this era? There, there is no groan or scream to, uh, (laughs) to explain that. Uh, but, uh, I can't tell you kidding, kidding aside with it all. Like, Actually, that has been kind of cool, learning things like, like I never thought I could fix a car, you know what I mean? But uh, that, that actually has been a benefit. That's been pretty cool. So um, it's been kind of fun to learn new things and try to accomplish something in a year where accomplishing things is pretty difficult. 
Uh, we just talked to Max Vick, who, who, as I said, is trying to stay positive. He has estimated that he's rebooked a thousand shows, uh, how, or a thousand dates. What about you? Oh man! Um, how many times you've rebooked the you same count? tour? Pick a tour and tell me how many times you've rebooked it. The most I've rebooked a tour is seven times right now. <laughs> but I'm with that van tomorrow to probably find an eighth time frame. Holy fuck! Uh, okay, next question. Uh, you don't got to reveal the band. Let's just say you you or somebody in the office booked something that was going to play a larger event and re- they, the band received enough backlash that they dropped that uh, particular short tour and event. Could you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about the uh, negative press or backlash that bands uh, stand to take if they play shows at the moment? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's bad. Um, yeah, we had, you know, had a few bands personally I was working with that, um, that, exact thing to cancel shows and then after enough of those sorts of things um i have a bunch of bands that actually have been offered shows in some of the few places where they can happen right now and things like that and shit i mean this is a tough call like i can either the show and make my mortgage payment or uh, but you know, potentially like have all our fans telling us we're horrible people oh. because we're trying to put food on the table. Yeah. Um, or can, you know, just skip the show and figure out another way to just struggle through this and not get the backlash. So, you know, it's, uh, that's been a tough, you know, it's, and every band's different, right? Like some bands are like, ah, oh, like, you know, like I don't give a shit, but like our fans do. So we have to, you know, like, we, we have to take that into account where other bands are like, they, they personally really give a shit and are like, yeah, we're, we're not playing a show until like every human on the planet had a vaccine. So, um, and obviously for me, I just have to support whatever decision they make and help them through, through that decision and through that execution of that decision. Okay. Now here's a question that's kind of nitty gritty and also maybe speculation on some level, but you're pretty plugged in with this sort of thing. Could you tell me on the other side of this, who, who benefits most and who is, uh, who's going to need a, like a complete restructuring of the way that they do business? I don't mean bands. I mean, for example, like, are there, is there a type of band that benefits from this moment? or coming out the other side, is there a type of venue that benefits from this or coming out the other side? Is there a type of market that benefits from this coming out the other side? Um, this answer is going to sound really dark, but I don't mean it to be. I'm just being straight up. Um, the answer in my opinion is whoever survives it, because I think so many and venues and, agencies and so on and so forth won't survive it that whoever can survive it and is still around on the other side will obviously have a bigger piece of business that they can potentially bite off as a result of there being less competition right so um so i think right now it's just kind of like you know a game of survival and everyone's just trying to get to the other side of it do you, you I mean, from, from conversations you've had with, with bands you work with or just more just what's out in the ether, we talked about this as well. 
do you expect there to be a lot of people who find other things to do with their life other than one play music two book music? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I won't name names, but like I know one band that I don't work with, but they were on a tour of a band I work with mm-hmm. that already told us the next announcement we make for moving that tour to not include them in it because they're breaking up um as a result of this and like that's just one example but i know as far as agencies like they've pretty much all laid people off or furloughed people and all those agents are trying to figure out how are they gonna make a living and you know they they recognize it's not the most they don't have a skill set right now as an agent as the most hireable uh or most desirable hire for these companies and so a lot of these people i think are right now considering well what what else can i be doing and the problem is the answer right now is there's not a lot else they can be doing. So we'll see, you know, who finds a different path during this time and who doesn't. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are going to pivot. Uh, what is the relationship with venues going to be in 10 months? Like between like, for example, who and who? between, uh, Right now, it's difficult for us to even think about which venues are going to be able to figure out a socially distanced uh, show. Uh, And I guess my question is, if socially distanced shows become a thing, if that is what is allowed, even in quote unquote blue states or whatever, like lockdown states, whatever we want to say they are, um, is, is there a way to like who there's no way that Max was making a point that the financials on the other side are going to be very confused because venues can only fit so many people in that space now. So what does your guarantee your, I mean, obviously don't speak out of school, but the guarantees that you're going to be seeing uh, a year from now, what do you expect them to look like by comparison? Uh, I honestly have no idea. The deals are like what we know is, is like, like what we know and what would be kind of typical protocol or typical, um, you know, just like everyone's kind of usual way of doing business is at this point completely out the window. And I think that whatever happens next in terms of the way that deals are structured, the way that like tours are put together, it's like, there's no more rule book. Um, you know, before there was fairly strict rule book and you kind of knew how to play by the rules. And now it's like, I think everything's changing. I also don't think socially distanced shows that you're referring to work in clubs at all. Um, I think the the clubs can't afford that. Um, you know, a lot of these clubs, if they open at fifty percent capacity, they're they're not opening at all um, because it's the you know if you're a five hundred cap club, it's not the first two hundred fifty tickets you sell that you're making money on, right? Like those are covering the expenses. It's like the last two hundred or hundred tickets that you're making money on. So. If you only have the ability to sell the first 250, like that's a real problem. So um, I think the idea, the idea of socially distanced shows, maybe in amphitheaters or these drive through shows or what, maybe outdoor events or whatever could work. But when you talk about bringing it indoors and just doing like small clubs and things like that, I, I just don't see how it, how it works. Dave, so Dave, what's the conversation? I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. With with people who work at venues, where are they at? Are they like 
Are they shaken? Are they looking at this in the same grim way that, you know, we kind of are where they're like, yeah, you know, we'll see when the end of this is because there might not be a venue here. Well, yeah. Um, I've spoken to, you know, tons of promoters um, every day. And the response to that is it runs the gamut. Like I've had conversations with promoters where they've flat out told me they don't think they're going to survive it or it's going to take a real Hail Mary. They're trying to get this investment or that or, or whatever, just to get to the other side of it. The flip side of that is I spoke to a promoter just yesterday who said, yeah, like, you know, not to like kick anyone when they're down, but like, this is a good opportunity for me. Like we're currently buying a bunch of different venues and properties in different parts of the country and we're expanding our business. So, you know, they were a company that, you know, had some funding and had the ability to say, okay, like other people are in trouble. I can help them um, by potentially, you know, buying them and giving them some cash and I can get in that business now. So, I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've definitely had some pretty um, anxiety-driven conversations with different promoters. And then I've had the other side where people are saying, hey, like, we're doing everything we can to come out much for this on the other side. So, Dave, you know, it's a hardcore podcast and you do book a couple a couple large hardcore acts. But I'd like to uh, talk about the, the bands that you book that – are not of our world that are uh, money-making enterprises. Uh, we t- when we talk to Max Vick, he's got a couple legacy acts. People might really love Killing Time, but no, Killing Time doesn't, they're not on a cycle. They don't need to fucking be touring. You have a lot of acts that legitimately have bought large homes and now need to pay for them. So my question to you is, like, is there frustration or is there uh, grief? <laughs> what What is it that you are hearing from, uh, you know, don't throw anybody under the bus, obviously, but the, the how dark is it getting? And are you getting the calls that managers sometimes get that is the guy that is drunk, uh, in, in like, you know, in a car on his own lawn? Are you getting those calls? Um, yes, <laughs> I am. I've had... Yeah, I, I won't name names, but, you know, I've had calls with everything from, like, and again, that's, I'm not trying to not answer these questions or be diplomatic. I'm just being honest with you. Like, these, the answers are very extreme. Like, everyone is reacting different to this stuff, right? So, um, you know, I literally had a call with one band member a few weeks ago who they had their first kid on, like, March 3rd or something like that. And they were basically like, well, this sucks, like, this is a great opportunity for me to get, you know, my kids first year with them and like be home and be with the wife and be with the kids. Um, so like that particular artist, for example, was like, yeah, like, all right, like I'm just going to look at this as positive and this is great. And you know, if it's going to happen, this is the best time for it to happen. And we'll be back on the road eventually. Um, I had another artist tell me when we were working on rebookings and I presented a new time frame. You know, they were basically like, let's not, let's not book a new time frame. Let's just cancel it. Let's not rebook it. And I said, well, I don't know 
then I think that's the right move simply because you've already sold all these tickets. And if you, if you start over, now you're going up against all these rescheduled tours that have sold all these tickets and you will have sold zero. Like, I don't, I don't know that we should take that route. And I said, I understand it's frustrating continuing to move these tours. Like I really understand it, but, um, you know, like I believe that at some point it's going to happen. We just don't know which rebooking it will happen. And then I said to him, do you think that it won't happen? And, um, the literal response I got was, I don't think society as we know it will be here by then. So, um, so, you know, like, so those are the two opposite extremes I've had is like, I've, I've literally had an artist be like, all right, like, this is a great time for it to happen. I'm just going to take advantage. And I've had other artists be like, we're done. Like, this is the end of the world. Uh, we don't go anywhere from here. And then I've had everything in between. So it's been, uh, yeah, an interesting spectrum of, of kind of, uh, reactions. Uh, let's see. You, you fellas got any questions before I uh, ask Dave uh, about his willingness to send me into the belly of COVID? No, I think I think that's the the burning question here is uh, is your closer. My willingness to what? So so David, uh, if Jake and Eric lose their nerve and won't send me to Sturgis, will you book it for me? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we did have bands play Sturgis last week. Um, um, no, no shit. Did some of your acts play Sturgis? Cause I know one couldn't, um, not me personally, but as a company, we had bands play. Um, we had more bands cancel it than we had play it, of course, but, um, we did a bands play it and they said it was great and people showed up and were excited to just get out and it went well. Um, are any of them dead? <laughs> no, no, they're not dead. <laughs> right. They've made it. So you would, is what you're saying. Would I book a show at Sturgis? Would you book you Patrick book, at Sturgis? Would you book, yeah, would you book me, no band? Yes, the, the uh, Patrick Kinlan solo experience. Yeah, would you book a show where it's just grown bikers coughing into my mouth? Well, I mean, that's a normal evening with you. You just want to sell tickets to it? I want to sell tickets. I would like to monetize the biker coughs. Okay. Yeah, I don't see why not. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Thank you. This is, I, I know that your concern for me is great, and you're looking out for me financially. Um, all right. Uh, David, thank you very much for joining us and answering those questions. You bet. Dave, thanks, thanks for, for coming me. on, man. Good luck with the uh, career yeah. as a mechanic, and uh, I hope that uh, uh, things don't get any darker than they are today. Double A, MCO. Let me know if you need a car fixed. Thank you. <laughs> Later. Uh, okay, so there we've got two perspectives, two different types of booking agents, uh, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, fellas, I missed some of your questions. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I, I did that seem optimistic or grim to you guys? No, I mean grim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for being honest, I mean, well, well, yo, so so like they make it sound beautiful, but it sounds like shit. Well, right, because we came in here and not. Neither of those professionals were any rosier than the three of us, right? Right, and we're just talking yeah. shit. They know yeah. more. Well, and, and I mean, there's certain informed opinions from consensus here, but but like it's not that much. And and I mean, so this is this is the this is the reality of the world, and that's why 
I put that question, the caveat of like, what does it mean for bands to be bands? What can be done in this time? Get creative folks. You know, don't, don't let this trot you down and Hey, it's gonna, it's going to trot down a good handful of bands. Like, like there was no hesitation for Dave when I was like, Hey, do you think there's going to be bands who aren't going to be bands? You know, uh, people who aren't going to play music when this is done and people who aren't going to book music. And he was just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? It's he he exists in a really interesting world where it, it's all money. I mean, they all respect each other. They're, like he only works with acts that that he gets on with now, but it, it's all money, and they do not have the same crazy artistic thing. Like you know, I, some of them are very successful people, so they don't have anything to prove. Maybe, but they it, it's just like you know, if if things aren't going right for them, they'll just open a open a, a, a Boston market. (laughs) So, um, I, I I don't know. I, I, it's just very different than hardcore where everything is contingent on like, Oh, you better be passionate because there's not a fucking dollar out here. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, I don't know, fellas, this was, yeah, I think Tom's probably right. It's pretty grim. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the whole, like, there may not be a society to come back to. was like (laughs) real fucking planet of the apes. I got a little nervous. Yeah, I wasn't. I was like, yes. Yeah, I mean, because some of it, like, time. <laughs> but, I mean, Tom, that was probably a dude in, in like a fucking five hundred cap metal a metalcore band that like he doesn't know anything that uh, you know <laughs> the doctors don't know. Yeah, and no, that's true too. But yeah, I mean, I think like what he's saying, he was just kind of like, I mean, it's they kind of shared the same kind of outlook on things, and you know, the bigger it gets, the the you know the the positive and positives and negatives are that much bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like someone on Max's end might be able to maintain. Yeah. But then when you get to the fucking 5,000, 10,000 cab room bands, it's like, oh, like we have like employees and shit. Like, you know, Killing Time doesn't have to play till 2022. Like they're good. Exactly. I, I actually. The money's th- cool to have. Like no one's opposed to money, but it's not fucking. But like, you know. You know, I know like uh, Nick Storch works for like King Diamond. Like King Diamond has actual adults that like work for his company. You know what I'm saying? Like the 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 merch guys and the you know the merch people and the and whatever else. I mean, it gets to you know once it kind of expands and you kind of see it from a bird's eye view, you're like, holy shit! There's like forty people depending on this one human being. Yeah, I mean, it's Dave didn't even he was trying to name like the heavy acts that our audience, he thinks, would know. But he booked some actually fucking mega big shit at this point. And you're not just talking about exactly as you said, we're not just talking about like the five dudes. You know, we're talking about people, people whose career is working for the five dudes. (laughs) So, right. Like that. They worked at the person for 20 years. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, uh, listen, uh, Tom, a friend of both of ours had a completely different take on that Chili Dog show than we did. Did you see that? No. So, uh, longtime merch guy, I think you probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, sure. Uh, you Staten Island? Uh, you live Staten Island. I uh, said, listen, I'll fucking snitch you out because you are, you are taking... Oh, I did see that. You are taking food right out of my mouth because the longer that this goes, the less I can work. And 
uh, I get that to an extent too. Oh no, sure. Listen, I it's not me, but uh, but I understand the perspective, and. and it, it like is, the, uh, the snitching for the sake of snitching is one thing. You know what I mean? But like the dude that was snitching from Poughkeepsie, dude, you don't really have a fucking dog in this fight, bro. Like your oh. pay to pay bland is going to play. But, you know, the, you know, uh, a Shapiro band may have an issue because fucking they had to have that. show. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, you know, your 50 person show, it's kind of reverberations are far larger than you expected. That's yes, that's very possible. It's I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that this whole thing is like, like a large question that Tom, you and I fight about on the podcast all the time, which is kind of like uh, obligation to the, to the group versus like, yeah, you know, doing what you want. And it, it's uh, both are easy to argue for, uh, it, but they're both are difficult to argue against. <laughs> so so it, it's uh, yeah. this moment because that impacts your your livelihood too. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you know, all right, so a couple of people got sick from that show, say, yep. And then it's like, all right, so those types of venues are are going to have more of a difficulty. Not that you would play a play, place like that place, but something akin to that in another smaller town, for sure, yeah. for sure. And then you're fucked. You know what I mean? I, I get people kind of pushing back against that and like there's some like braggadocio to it to be like yeah i did it no one got sick like that's cool yeah like you said earlier like everyone's alive because of luck yeah well listen honestly if i am not telling anybody not to do shows i know you guys have a different feeling on that but i'm not telling anybody to do not to do shows but i will say in no uncertain terms expect people to get sick as a result there is no debate there If, if if you're getting people together somebody is going to get sick as a result so do not delude yourself, anybody. I think that's about, yeah. So, so uh, I don't know. What 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 did you guys think? I thought that that was interesting to get their perspectives. Uh, Super interesting. For I, sure. I I know what Dave's Dave's been handling himself with grace, and I've been really impressed. I've known him since we were kids, and and uh, he, he, but this has been a crazy time. He started his own business, employed I don't know thirteen people, and. You know, I don't think he wants this to be anybody's business, but it's currently like some people are still getting paid. He's not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he he's taking this one very much on the fucking chin uh, because he's trying to build something. And listen, I'm not playing a violin for my friend. We all had plans this year, but it's pretty crazy to watch somebody work a couple decades for something and then get there and then it kind of like the legs get kicked. It's, it's fucking. It's you see how people handle themselves and it's. It, it, it's there's no wrong answer. Like if he was calling me every day crying, that would be totally acceptable. But uh, I've been very yeah. impressed with with uh, how he's conducted himself. Um, yeah, he made it sound like like his whole conversation was like a saves the day song. Like <laughs> what he's saying is awful, but it it was put in such a nice melody that you didn't catch that he's like, oh, he's talking about like killing himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he was good. Here's the here's the timeline, real quick. He was good for the first six weeks. I would talk to him, and he'd be like, "Yeah, it is what it is." You know what I mean? And then uh, he got like his corporation got the or his company got the uh, loan, uh, and he was like, "Yep, yeah, it's okay, it's okay." And then as this dragged on, he started being like, "Book the same tour four times." <laughs> like, and yeah. Then, which, by the way, how'd you like that seven? 
that was that movie. <laughs> when he was like, "This is gonna be the eighth. I was like, "God, fucking damn it!" So and he's not like pushing like, uh, you know, he booked CBGBs eight times. It's like I'm moving it from, to another fucking amp- like an amphitheater right. or something. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. So, so so some of those are probably like twenty two days of uh, of theater or amphitheater show. <laughs> like you're booking them seven eight times, but. I don't know. I mean, I, even the hold story with with Max Zane, like some of these venues have ten holds on the same fucking that's day. Absurd. That's absurd. No, I mean it, when you hear that number, I don't. You know, it's 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 a step outside the DIY booking realm. So it's like for a lot of people who haven't heard this kind of talk, you put a hold when you think you're going to have like tour routing. You know, think, right? Yeah, so right, like, right. Ten, like it's not it's two, three. That's not out of this world. When when you no. when you start hearing like oh it's gonna be four or five, you you just assume you're not getting the show then and you're making other plans. Right, ten? What? You're playing Sunday instead of Saturday. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's a reservation to be like I would like to play your venue on that date. Right. So ten out, ten out. I mean, that's, that's fucking that's, crazy. That's a friendlies in in Delmar, New York. Right. That's crazy. That's right. Do you think shows get combined? You know what? I don't know because what Dave was saying was unfortunately what Bob said fucking a month ago and is just the natural fact that like the shows that I would think would get combined can't even justify the rooms anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? That's true. So, so it's, I have no idea. And I, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that we thought we might be able to give some clarity during this podcast, <laughs> but like, but there is none, there's none to be there's had none. to be there's honest none. with you. There's none. But I mean, I think the crazy thing is it's like, you know, 500 caps that are allowed to have 50 people in there. You can't adjust the ticket prices no. all that much because people are coming off, you know, once things come back or whatever, 30 million people are fucking unemployed. So it's no. not like everyone's sitting home and like saving money and they don't care. They'll pay 50 bucks to see fucking drug church, but you can't expect them to pay enough to kind of warrant, you know, and ban. I mean, you can't ask bands to take that much of a, a, a demotion too. It's like, it's so fucked up. What do you think about it, it, it's yeah it's fucked is what it is. But what do you think about um what these bands have been doing like what Thursday uh you said was doing Tom uh and what and what Dave suggested uh smaller bands do. What if you did like a like one step closer fucking uh it, anxious and some yeah. Yeah, like you did three of the buzzy fucking acts uh that people are into and you made enough of an event of it by having it hosted in some capacity by someone else that's got like a tiny bit of reach or there's some reason for them to be involved. So wait, what are you talking about? Like a, a All right, we'll stream? do it. <laughs> I'm talking about live stream. Oh, I mean, I'm talking, you're talking about, about a show. Uh, the live stream thing is not like, with? no, it's about watching. Like, like I, I've thought about doing live stream shows for a minute now, but not hardcore ones. Cause I just don't think it's going to play. So but here's what I'm saying. Fucking play. And so exactly what you're saying. Yes. Everyone's thinking this. No one's, this is not, we're not Magellan here, but the idea of like, all right, we're going to get band a band B band C all have their own little buzz bin. Uh, let's get another, let's get their respective labels. If there is such to help push, let's get one or two other entities. Some, you know, be it uh, a no echo, be it an ax to grind, be it a revolver, be it whatever, you know, independent, Let's funnel it and do it and, and push everybody to this and see if we can't generate some buzz. Totally can happen. It's just will my- will the music that's being performed 
play and be cool. That's it. Here's my question. Well, th- great question. I have a question too. It, like, so with hardcore, the problem is is getting anybody to pay for it. Historically, this is even people that say they love it have a hard time giving over their fucking. Everybody wants a list. Yeah. So, uh, I think one of the problems with hardcore is uh, like Clutch sold. I'm sure Dave doesn't want the number out, but they sold a shocking number of of fucking live streams, right? So, like, let's say that hardcore can't do that. They like even Dude, no, no, no. Five, it's not uh, about the number. I don't think it's about the number. I don't even think it's about the monetization. I think hardcore. No, you're talking about the quality. About I, quality. I, I get and, you. Uh, but I think if you're bringing it to monetization, I don't even think that's an issue. I actually think hardcore kids are willing to show out at least in a way. Not. It's not going to be like, hey, everybody's going to give a buck. But like, we know there are people who are happy now more than ever to show their support through payout. You know what I mean? Like through direct but, payment to artists. And there's a few different ways you could set that up. I mean, as simple as setting up a Venmo that's flashed and saying, you know, hit these people. Here's a Venmo. Here's a PayPal, whatever it is. Hit them with a buck. Hit them with two bucks. I know that for some of these upcoming live streams, people have merch stuff built in saying, hey, go order the merch. That's worked in the other platforms. So there's monetization is there. It's To me, it's all a question of product. So – uh, should that preclude? Should that stop you no, from trying? No, no, yeah. no, 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 right. no, nope, nope. Right. Yeah, I think that's the that's Pat's point too. But, it's kind of like you got to give it a shot. Well, it may here, suck. Here's you my only get one bite at the apple, but you got to give give it a chance. Well, he well here's more what I'm thinking, and this is just spitballing, and it's and as Bob said, it's nothing fucking new here. But but is okay. Remember when everybody was going to Vans or everybody was going to fucking the, yes. whoever Scion yes. like. Uh, there was an era where this was not the grossest thing in hardcore. A lot of bands were doing it. Uh, is this another time that this, that that could be the model? Because I, I personally don't agree with you, Bob. I think that getting hardcore kids to like, like if you got, yes, integrity, yes, people would, enough people would pay for that. But yo, wait, 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 wait. How much money did have heart raise for the black lives matter shirt? hundred K. How much money did mind force raise? 10 K. How much money did small acts raise? Several hundred to several thousand. We we should not under how many how many hardcore podcasts are out there? How many different efforts are out there being supported by Patreon and listeners like you? So we we, we uh, can't you know like I I don't think the argument of saying hardcore kids don't pay for stuff is is the right. You thing. don't think that you you don't think that we there would be significant pushback to a ten dollar door, which is nothing. Oh, of course, no, no, no. You you can't. You that's not the model. You can't do it. I mean, there'd be huge pushback because people are like, why? So, what do you think? Though? It's it's a donation. What, what, would, what would your price point? Be? There's no price point. It's it's suggested donation. Oh, see, that's interesting. that's all you got to do, dude. You because this is why. This, <laughs> You just suggest the donation because there's going to be people who don't got don't got loot or don't think they're going to put in, and then there's going to be people who go, "Oh, yo, I got this. Let me throw twenty bucks down on the table. Let me yes, throw five. Sure. Let me throw fifteen. Sure yes. And there's going to be there's going to be that. Um, it becomes a bit of a meritocracy to me. The right way to do it, and this is the spilling the beans on it, is you set it up so that it's truly meritocracy. You take the financial burden off the collective group and say, yo, here's the deal. You're watching this band set. You're feeling it. You're vibing. Throw them a buck. Throw them three bucks. Throw them 15. Whatever you want to do. Or check it out. They got merch available. You can go buy that too. You know what I mean? Like, 
how do you yeah how do you like it's the guarantee like it's actually i think that there would be more transaction than if you had a flat door rate because people will be thrown by a flat like the, the it's the same thing as it's five bucks that might be a no, it's off. the same exactly it's the same thing as paywalls on new york times or whatever yo you i think you can get a subscription to newyorktimes.com for like what boils down to like two bucks for two bucks a month for the year or less. Like it might be a dollar a month for the year. If you do, if you say, okay, I'll pay $12 so I can have this unlimited for the year, you know, but the fact you hit that paywall, it a it's a turn off. You're like, fuck this paywall. Like this should be free because That's right. we need this. Information, However, right? it's like, here's well, my question. What I'm going to say this is, is uh, first, yeah. uh, the planning like, right now, Tom is so crazy because you have to hit as many time zones, you know, instead of doing uh, at the same this, time like, as possible. One, uh, you know, when you're planning these things, so like stream. you know, like you know, for I any what time clutch so played, so but it had to like try to make the best. Is there out of any fucking, kind of uh, usefulness to them zones. doing? But secondly, like a, a virtual tour, yeah, no, you're and right, but, having but, it to uh, like. Uh, secondly, if you live uh, let's, in let these the audience three states, hit us with their thoughts on that because I just got a notice from our recording client that we're very much out of space. You know what I mean? stop this right now. We're playing fucking. You know, we're playing Southern California. And like it's like geo ta- geocache sure. or whatever the fuck it is. That's that's a no, wrong you, you, but, but it's like, geo limited. It's it's a, it's yeah. That you're precluded unless you have like a fucking like VPN or something. Yeah, let us know. But like, and kind of For do sure. it that way. Like I wonder if you'd get more, you know. And and then you had specialized like here's you know like you do it here's sort, the fucking sort of California sure. shirt. I think the only the only reason you wouldn't is you wouldn't want a limited audience. All right, we'll we'll pick this up uh, later. People hit us up. You got questions? You feeling away after this? We're here for you. Let's talk. Thanks, everybody.